I would rather be handsome for an hour than pretty for a week. Tilda Swinton. Ladies, gentlemen, and variations thereupon, this is modern escapism. Hello and welcome to this celebratory episode of the podcast. My name is Oodles and today I am joined by Little Miss Sunshine, it's Gadget. What? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Pretty I'm woman. I'm a miserable bastard and you know it. <laughs> Pretty woman, it's Stig. <laughs> Hello. The Devil Wears Prada, it's Candy Machine. Hello. Showgirls, it's Biggie. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a very special guest on the show this week. Renowned film journalist and author of the book, Women versus Hollywood and the ultimate superhero movie guide. It's Helen O'Hara. Round Hello. of applause. Hey. Hello. Hello, everybody. Before we chat, we've got to do some corporate shilling, haven't we, Stick? Oh, yes, we do. Uh, so if you like uh, what we do, you can get more if you head over to patreon.com forward slash modern escapism. On there, you'll find the three different tiers that we do. First up is Modern Escapees. For £5 a month, you can get extended editions of this episode every week, as well as at least one monthly special and every other special that we do. If you are into uh, Dungeons & Dragons, we do a D&D actual play podcast called Do Dragons Dream of Scott Sheep. Uh, the £5 Scott Sheep tier will get you ad-free early access of that podcast, as well as any artwork, original music, character sheets, and anything we put together for the show. And you can suggest NPC and item names for Gadget to use against us. Uh, but if you're feeling flush, £7.50, the biggie bundle, that gets you everything. <sighs> And what a deal it is. What a deal it is. <laughs> Everyone should be getting the biggie bundle. But let's, let's, we've dragged Helen here and we're just going to get her to do what we do every week. <laughs> <laughs> and this part of the podcast is where we just literally chat about what we've been doing this week. And I believe, Stig, you've probably not done the most. So I'm going to start with you. Have you done anything? Uh, no, other than <laughs> I went to London to visit some friends and got uh, very drunk. So my voice is a bit... Uh, croaky mm -hmm. but um actually i'd like to talk about helen's book if that's oh, okay oh yes look at this synergy synergy <laughs> that is actually the one thing i did this week because i finished the book but uh i cheated a little and, and got the audio book yep, which book is here. this uh the women versus hollywood ah. so yeah i uh i can't read very fast so i was just like there's no <laughs> chance i'll get to read through this as quick as gadget can do it so i'll uh I'll just listen to Helen tell me the book instead. <laughs> yeah. Just be off the bat, just a bit critical about the book first. Now, I just want to say there's a lot of women in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. I, I, did, I, I did express doubts about that to my editor, and, and she seemed to think it'd be okay, but, you know. Yeah. You, should, you shouldn't bury the lead with the title. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to say, like, I found it re a really great book. It was brilliantly researched, uh, well-written, and very sensitive in places and it was enjoyable to listen to you like i've obviously been listening to the empire podcast for several years now um so i'm uh, used to listening to you every week uh, but, <laughs> well, i'm uh, so sorry for everyone <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um 
it just yeah, obviously some of the stories and history were less enjoyable to hear about, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, um, mind blown, mm. I have to say. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there that I uh, I didn't know about, to be honest. Obviously, yep. the fact that the industry seemed to start with prominent women, mm. yeah, and like came from a like a lot of women doing producer roles and and film roles and even like stunt roles and stuff. I loved hearing about the stunt roles. It sounded like they had such an absolute blast. Mm. Me too. I mean, honestly, I, you know, I sort of knew the very broad outlines of, you know, the silent era and uh, even some parts of the early studio era. Cause you know, I've like, I've got a sort of good film knowledge, but it's kind of generalist and all over the place and just depends on which bios I've picked up over the years and whatever else. So, um, so actually focusing down and doing that research was eye-opening for me as well. And yeah, those the stunt women in those action serials in the 1910s, literally a hundred and more years ago, were just <laughs> unbelievable. They were jumping off and onto trains and taking <laughs> rope ladders out of hot air balloons and, you know, fighting wild animals. And it's just amazing stuff. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, I'm sure with literally no health and safety guidelines. Oh, no, that's <laughs> what I was going to mention. Less than yeah. none. Less than none. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Cruise, eat your heart out. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, obviously, if you uh, not to uh, spoil too much of the book for people who are going to listen to it, obviously, once the money men realized actually we could make some money off of this, it kind of became a male centric boys' club. Yes. Yeah, the ownership of the studios had over the stars. Mm. Yeah. It was kind of referred to as, like you say, again, in general knowledge, but until you have someone dive into it and the th- things that you cover just absolutely blew my mind about you know preventing them from having relationships yeah. abortions just the whole just this image thing that you obviously still it's pushed under the rug isn't it that's the thing yeah. that's yeah. It's, it's horrible to see i have yeah. to say that's the section that stuck with me the most as well just absolutely i mean we shouldn't be shocked because you do hear about it but just to yeah. hear the extremes to which it went yes yeah. yeah. sickening the, the yeah. extent of it yeah is, is astonishing and and some people really really suffered for it. i mean I think it was Gloria Swanson nearly died following yeah. abortion because mm. they were all illegal at the time. So it's not only that the studios were forcing them to have abortions or pressuring them at least into it. Um, it was super illegal. <laughs> so it was yeah. all under the carpet, <laughs> under the rug and uh, no kind of safety measures whatsoever. Uh, it was, yeah, it was horrific, horrific stories. And and it was all because of these morality clauses in the Stars contracts that they had to keep hold to in order to keep their careers going because the studios were so terrified that the government would come in and censor them all, basically. Mm. Mad stuff. Yeah, there's a few, like, really, but like the story about Patricia Douglas is especially shocking. Mm. Yeah. Um, obviously, what's kind of happened over the last few years, you know, you'd hope that if anything like that happened, that it would never get brushed under the carpet <coughs> like it like it did back then now. But uh, I, one thing, I um, what I did really like about it as well was because um, it's, really, it's new, you've mm. touched on a, a lot of things from the last few years as well. Yeah. So, like, sometimes with these books, it's just about the history of Hollywood, but you've actually talked about what's going on now, pretty much well up to the end of last year, really. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. And I think I think there was a couple of tiny things we even have changed now for the paperback coming out next year, so it'll be uh, as up to date as we can make it. But that was kind of important to me because I wanted to sort of my pitch for the book was basically to kind of understand why we're in the situation we're in, why we're in the situation where you know. a in a very good year, 12% of the top directors are women. In a really good year. Wow. And usually it's between 4 and 8%. Um, 
in uh, it's about the same percentage, it's about 12 to 15 percent of movie leads are female um, because that also is massively male dominated. Um, you know, composers and uh, cinematographers, even worse, they are about, again, about four to six percent in a really good year of composers and cinematographers. So why why on earth is this? You know, these are not jobs that involve, you know, heavy lifting and growing yeah, a beard. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. there's no reason that a lot of women can do them. Um, except that that is the system that we've set up and that's the kind of mental image we have in our heads of what a director looks like and what a cinematographer looks like and everything else. Um, and until we kind of dismantle that image and dismantle that sort of unconscious bias, I think things won't, fully change and I think you know we're we're in the very very early stages of trying to begin to do that really yeah there you go and that was uh, yeah. obviously yourself working in like the film industry extended from the film industry and stuff like touching on things like social media and like, I've seen like the kind of shit that you've had to put up with from a certain group of Snyder fans <laughs> I wasn't going to mention them no there, there are there are certain fandoms that are more uh fervent shall we say than others mm. and and maybe more aggressive I, I will say one of the people i talked to one of the other journalists uh, i talked to said that her worst abuse came from the outlander fandom so it's not oh, own, wow. it's not only wow. male-led fandoms i do want to be honest about that it's not wow. only the male-dominated fandoms but it is mostly the male-dominated fandoms where you know, if you like every female critic, every other female critic I know who had in any way said anything negative about, for example, Joker, had had a, a just a tsunami of abuse. Yeah, I did. I, I did like every time you brought up Joker, there was always like a little appendices at the bottom, uh, uh, a footnote at the bottom going, "Joker sucks." <laughs> stuff like that. I'll say it now, as a man, Joker is shit. Thank just, you. It's shit. Yes. It's shit. It's shit. It's I shit. felt like the entire world was gaslighting me when that came out. It's like it's not good. Guys. I think it. I think it had a decent end. That's it. I I liked the score and the cinematography. It's just it's a film I've not I've not retreaded because I and bear in mind I, I have got bad tech. I've watched Zack Snyder's Justice League four times. <laughs> <laughs> As you keep reminding us, yes. and we keep lambasting you and for it's it. Not, you it's, fool. it's not that I liked it. I just, yep. I just got a trial. Wanted your money's worth. Wanted my money's worth. TV subscription. <laughs> I, I have watched it twice um, mm-hmm. because we're planning, and we still haven't done, but we're planning an Empire spoiler special on it. I took twenty-four pages of notes. Let me see if I can find them here. There's a lot of capital letters. Yeah, there isn't mine. <laughs> it's very much like my notes. Yeah, yeah. We, um, we we did a very similar thing, and wow. Yeah, we we did a spoiler special, didn't we? Like, wow. we came yeah. out it's like we talked about it so much about if this is coming out now and we should really be doing a spoiler special. Yeah, I think I had about 15, 16 pages yeah. on my phone. Yeah, it was. Uh, as we've said, as, as we've said many times, poor dead DC. Poor yeah, <laughs> most, yeah, most of my notes for that film were screaming. Yeah. yeah. The, um, yeah. With with the book, there were cut. There were a couple of parts of it that really stuck out to me for different reasons. One, I, I really like the chapter about uh, the male gaze mm. and kind of mm. like how women are generally treated over, over the um, years, but also how their kind of image is treated and how like even down to like kind of you know where where cameras are placed and such like yeah, that. Yeah. And as I, as I as I was reading through it, I was I kept thinking back because me and Biggie are doing a Patreon series at the minute on the Fast and Furious films. Oh my god! And you even yeah, mentioned it. Yeah. We haven't seen them, so this is new to us. We You're somehow kidding. avoided it. Yeah, <gasps> yeah. And then we oh, keep wow. just seeing these hot pants shots, and we just yeah. Know, <laughs> yeah, we know who this is aimed at. Yeah, there's know? so much underbum in those films, it's sort of a lower curve, you know. And yeah, but but I find that I mean, and it is 100 percent male gazy. There's no question. 
question, but I find that kind of objectification almost sweet because it's so obvious. You know, you they're know, they're not hiding anything. Other, they're not hiding anything. It's no. it's all the other films that are so much more kind of insidious. Mm. Uh, not the insidious films in particular, but um, you know, it's just those are the ones where you're like, it, it just gets really wearisome. Like I remember, it's basically every so often I'll see a film that strikes me as feminist in some way and it will almost feel like a shock. It's like an electric shock. It's like, I, I, I don't know, Candy, if you had this, but like coming out of Wonder Woman, you're suddenly like, I, what? That spoke to me. That was yeah. for me. Um, or Little Women had the same thing. Or um, The Candidate, if you remember that Joan Allen film from oh, like yeah. 20, 25 years ago. Fantastic film. But like, I wanted to immediately have daughters so I could sit them down and make them watch that movie. <laughs> go, this is what you're aiming for, girls. This is what you got to do. Not so much um, with Wonder Woman 1984, though. Not, not so is much. Is it 84? Sadly. I think it's 84. Yeah, yeah. 84, yeah. yeah. Not That's so much with that The other thing that blew me was the... Um, Blew my mind was the Beck Dale test that you referred to. The Beck Dale test, yeah. And I, I was just like, oh my god, yeah. Listening yeah. to the the different ways that you could put a different test to how a film turns out, and I was just chuckling away like the Smurfette, the sexy lamp, sexy lamp. Yeah, that was <laughs> sexy amazing. Was what sexy, so sexy lamp is a thing. Se- the sexy lamp test is absolutely <laughs> thing. If you could, so true. If you could replace a female character with a sexy lamp, then <laughs> that's bad. Like so, she wow. should have a role in the plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She should not yeah. just be there to be sexy. Oh um, wow! It's it's kind of the sexy lamp in in question. I think was inspired by the the lamp in a Christmas story. If you've seen that, yeah, the, the yeah. red yeah. lamp. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of what they were thinking of. But like, if it, if if she's doing about as much as that lamp is, then she <laughs> wow. fails the sexy lamp test. Yeah. What, what, wow! With, with with the male gaze stuff, what 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 amused me most was just the because obviously that you also brought up like Wonder Woman is such a positive example of a female-led um, film and a female-directed film. But then it just made me think, well, hang on a second, when you get to Justice League, Zack Snyder spent a lot of time staring at Gal Gadot's bottom yep. mm-hmm. with yeah. the camera. Yeah. There was a lot of Zack Snyder. Shots they and, did it in slow-mo. Yeah. I mean, and you even see this, like, uh, so I was, I, I noticed that in Black Widow versus, um, let's say, Winter Soldier. And I, I'm a, you know me, I'm a Marvel stan. I freaking love those films. But, like, Winter Soldier, I think, is is stunning. There are quite a lot of bottom shots of yes. Scarlett Johansson, and like it is a spectacular bottom. Well done, her and her trainer. Well done, everybody. Um, and and there, there are some shots where she shot from behind in Black Widow, but it feels different. It does feel a little bit different, um, even yeah. though you can still see that she has a wonderful posterior. You know, so I, I do feel like it, you don't have to lose the sexiness. I was actually watching Jennifer's Body today, and I think there's, there's some of it there too. They're actually quite coy about showing outright nudity. Um, uh, for for Jennifer for Megan Fox there, but they they do get across sexiness, and you don't always have to have full nudity for sexiness. Yeah. So. Oh no, of course not. Some leave stuff to the imagination. I've Is always it? said that. It's probably but more the, sexy. That's Ooh. that's a beautiful segue to what I've been up to this week. Uh oh. <laughs> so I've been watching two things. I'm going to talk about why the last man first because right. I know we've got some fans here. Um, I've started watching this. I think I'm three. Episodes in, I think it comes out every week. It's on Disney Plus. Um, Biggie, Biggie down there, he's read the book, haven't you, Biggie? Yes, I have. One of the rare comics I've not read, which is oh, well, really? Oh, they're so good. I'm, it's trust me, Helen. I've read them all, apart from this one. <laughs> um, and the one black spot in your in, yeah, in your knowledge. And I didn't realize it. It's starring Diane Lane. Love Diane Lane. Uh, she's she plays the president, and the show is about if you don't know, and I believe the book's the same. It's about mm. a gentleman named Yorick and his pet monkey Ampersand, which is a great name for a monkey. 
and how he survives <laughs> being the last cisgendered male on Earth after a mysterious global androcide, meaning all cis men are dead, except for Yorick. So, hilarity ensues. <laughs> all, all male animals as well. Yes, yeah, way. all male animals. Yeah. And it's, it, it, do you know that first episode, it's quite a slow burn. Because you're getting used to character. They all do it, don't they, these American shows? Because there's that many episodes. Slow burn, you get, and then, wow, the ending to the, to the first episode where the actual thing happens, where men start dying, it's harrowing. Yeah. It, it really, because at first I'm, I'm, I'm sat there going, oh, no, this is another thing I'm not going to continue watching. And then that, boom. Uh, whoa, wow. Incredible. So, have you, any, anybody else seen it? Yeah, I'm, I think I'm at the same point you are, um, and I'm loving it. I love those books. I think there's a real heart to them. I mean, there's the horror of the situation, yeah. and there's yeah. the horror of the the setup, um, but there's so much heart. And the ending of those comics made me cry. Wow! And not wow. that many comics have ever managed that. Yeah. But I was, I, I still like every time I've reread it, same thing. So if they can keep that heart, I also like the fact that um, weirdly, even though the comics are about literally one man in the world yeah like there's only one man on earth but let's tell his story male gaze everybody <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I genuinely think that weirdly they've they've amped up the women's roles he's not the I've main character well. is he yeah yeah he's not the main character so yeah. far and that may change and he may become more central yeah. but right now he's not the main character and and i think even if he does become more central i think we'll see agent 355 also yes step up. so yeah so yeah, I'm I'm loving it so far. I'm super here for it. It's it's, yeah. it's nice to see uh, the trans uh, actors in as well. Um, yes, which very good. I, I didn't expect it, and obviously I should. But that was that was because at first I was like, "This is men there alive," but yeah. then it, it obviously it didn't even it doesn't even throw it in your face. You just think, mm. "Oh right, I get it now." So yeah, oh, it's just it's just really good, a solid bit of sci-fi. But I'm just hoping it it sticks this trajectory that it's it's going on, but. I, I think it comes out every f- Friday or something like that. Sounds about right. Yes. Yeah. Um, it could be one for what for, for the you people that like to binge. Just leave it for a, a month or so, and then just <laughs> dive straight in. But yeah, really say, liked it. I'm delighted at the moment because Hollywood is adapting my bookshelf this autumn, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm so here for it. So I haven't seen everything obviously so far, but we've obviously I've seen some of Why the Last Man. I've yeah. seen quite a lot now of Foundation. I think I'm a few because I have access to the press site, so I've seen what a, a beautiful, bit more of that. beautiful show that is. What a gorgeous show! It's it is confusing. We were just talking yep. about it before we came on air. It is a little bit confusing, and they have not in any way softened it. In fact, they've made it more confusing than the yeah. Book I was like first. this, scratching my head, huh? <laughs> will it happen? Will it? Because at first I thought, oh, I'm going to get like the Expanse kind of hard sci-fi, but. It is kind it, of as it goes. It is, yeah. yeah. It's 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 just it's so st- Apple are throwing the money at these shows. The, wow, <laughs> the money on oh, that. God, I need to start insane. watching this. Oh, it's yeah. It, I I I'm, I'm super sold on that one. And then coming up, not with us yet, is Wheel of Time, which I'm a yeah. super nerdy fan of. I'm rereading. I'm on book twelve at the moment. There are fourteen <laughs> plus a prequel. They're all like this thick. Um, wow. So yeah, that's that's coming up. And Sandman, and I'm forgetting. Yes, as well. oh god, I love Sandman so much. One of my favourite books. You guys were talking else. on Twitter about Wall, weren't you? The Silo trilogy. Yes, Wall. Oh, yeah. yeah, is that coming yeah, out as that, well? That's um, some point late next year. Um, Apple TV, another Apple TV. Apple one. are smashing it. They're just throwing yeah. it. That's it. They, 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 yeah, because they, they don't they have a lot, but everything they no, have they is don't good. have a lot. Yeah, yeah. They keep putting out little good. hints on the cast as well. Like, um, oh, who who did they get in the cast? Uh, Tim Robbins is in it. Ooh. Ooh. Um, 
Oh, sh- uh, Rebecca Ferguson's playing Jules. Uh, Rashida Jones is playing Allison. I'd oh love it. Um, David, I always get his surname wrong. David Oyelowo. Oyelowo, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, as Holston. Um, this is so, most yeah. acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably going to look stunning as well. Yeah. yeah. You know what? So many people have picked up that book series gadget since you recommended it. I know at least five people. <laughs> I, need, I, yes. need to get, I, I had no idea they were doing a TV adaptation. If only you were on insane. commission. <laughs> I know. I need, I need, I need a message Let's to you. Let's not forget, <laughs> listeners, Gadget is also an author. Buy his book as well. Come on. Please do. <laughs> and the next thing I want to talk about is what you've already mentioned. Black Widow. I watched that for the very first time this Aww. week. Directed by Kate Shortland. I'm not really familiar with Kate Shortland. I don't know a previous work. But, as we know, starring Scarlett Johansson, uh, Florence Pugh, David Arbour, and Rachel Weisz. And do you know what? That's a strong cast. Now, I have very strong cast. I have thoughts about this film. And as typical, when I have thoughts, I have to watch the film again. So I've watched it twice now because sometimes I'm so conflicted. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually liked it more the second time around. I think, okay. I, I think, like me and Stig have talked off air about this, it's just placed so weirdly in the mm. uh, in the mythos, isn't it? Like yeah. in, in the timeline and everything like that. If you if you're not a Marvel super fan like a lot of us are, you you wouldn't know what's happening. Especially if you've seen um, spoiler alert some of the other ones that have come before this. Uh, I, I won't spoil anything in the plot. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> it's just a it's just a romp, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's the I best had... way to describe it. <laughs> I did have some issues with it, but it was... I had issues, don't generally worry. Generally speak, yeah, it, I thought it was fun. Yeah, yeah. Ray Winston's and, accent. And... Sorry? <laughs> Ray Winston's accent for Ray what? Winston shouldn't even be in that film. <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. maybe not his best work, yeah. I, 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 love, I love Ray, were... but... <sighs> there were a few characters I thought that were slightly redundant. I was a bit disappointed with David Harbour's character. I thought they could have made more use of him. Do you know what? Um, I really um, liked him at the beginning, at the intro, when he's all schlubby looking. Mm. And then fast forward and he's in prison and he's the strongest man in prison. Yeah. Big Russian bear. I'm like, what happened? But <laughs> I, upon watching it again, I realised, yeah, that the sleeper agents and stuff. Like, I understood it. But, wow. Um, yeah, um, I think it's... Oh, it's not really top-tier Marvel, but it's not Thor 2. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but me, I medium right. Marvel is still good, though. It's, it's definitely medium Marvel, and it should have come out before the Infinity War kicked off. Mm, that would yeah, be that, ideal, yeah. That's the problem, isn't it? It should yeah. have come out. I mean, we all know it should have come out years ago, but it should have come out after... It's, after, it's after set just after, after Winter Soldier, isn't it? Uh, it's like set after Civil, Civil War. War. So Civil War yeah. That's when it should have come out, because since then it's just gone... The scale's gone huge. Yeah. And we've come back to Marvel after, obviously, a year or so off, and it's shrunk right back down to this smaller story yeah and i think too many people now just want the big spectacle the kind of thing yeah. you got with shang chi and what looks yeah. like the eternals and things like that mm-hmm. so. i did think it was possibly a springboard for florence pugh's character though i thought she was absolutely brilliant she's in it. incredible and i, I love her I work love she's amazing yeah it's super films. it's super going to be i think she'll be in hawkeye yes yeah. i do yeah, yeah. She, she's going to be either the black widow or they might even create a white widow for her or whatever i don't know she's definitely going to be the new version of that it's nailed on but as a lot of people are rumorating on the internet this could be a a link to the dark avengers that could happen who knows who knows but yeah i I liked it it's on disney plus now you don't have to pay for it because don't kid yourselves you've all got disney plus (laughs) everyone's got it but yeah we'll move on to candy what have you been doing 
I watched a film this week that I've been trying to watch for absolutely ages. It was released in 2020, and for whatever reason, it's only just come out in the UK. And that's um, a Danish film called Druck, or in yep. English, it's called Another Round. Um, now, this is a light drama, and it's directed by Thomas Vinterberg and written by himself and Tobias Lindholm and stars my boy, uh, my boy Mads Mikkelsen. Yes, your boy. The boy. Now, the reason I've been looking forward to this rage is Mads aside, obviously. Because Mads is your boyfriend. He's my husband. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been nominated um, for a multitude of awards and nominations. So it's, it's, it got the Oscar for Best International Feature Film, nom- nominated for Best Director, got a mm-hmm. BAFTA for Non-English Film. It got a European Award for Best Film, and it was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Foreign Language Film. Um, so, yeah, I've just been really looking forward to this for a long time now. Mads Mikkelsen plays a, I, I assume it's a secondary school teacher. I don't know if it's... The high school uh, teacher, yeah. I think. Yeah, high school, yeah. Yeah, yeah it yeah. seems to be maybe the upper, the upper couple of years. Yeah. Um, sort of from Senior year nine years. onwards. Yeah, so basically he's, he's hit rock bottom in his life. He's got no passion for his work. He's got a bit of a loveless marriage with his wife. Finds it difficult to communicate and bond with his teenage kids and just kind of lost that lust for life. Um, he goes out for a meal with his best friends who also happen to be teachers mm. um, who notice he's not drinking. And oh, I can't God. remember exactly the reason. <laughs> I think he, he was driving or he had work or something. And at the meantime, they're sort of ordering all these amazing drinks. And um, he, he ends up having a bit of a, 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 a breakdown. Bogey. A yeah. bogey. <laughs> <laughs> he ends up having a bit of a breakdown um starts crying and just starts mm. explaining how unhappy he is and this non he's the group of friends who's were completely non-toxic they're all really supportive um no one's embarrassed by him crying at all and sort of talking about his emotions but anyway the conversation leads on to after offering their support and advice it moves on to um talk about a psychiatrist called Finn Scarderud who's theorised that humans are born with um, a blood alcohol content deficiency of about 0.05. Um, and he theorises that maintaining that slightly higher blood alcohol um, level makes one more creative and relaxed. So, of course, being teachers, they decide this would be a brilliant experiment to try whilst they're uh, teaching and carrying on with life. Um, so they agree to... That sounds like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> I wish my teachers spoilers. Would more fun. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, there's some good uh, drunk scenes. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, so they they agreed to their set of rules, um, and I, I, I looked up, and so uh, blood alcohol level for some for a, for a man that's about ten stone is about two pints of medium medium strength beer, mm-hmm. um, and that's basically how the film's launched. And uh, it's no secret, obviously, that I'm a fan of Mads, and his performance in this is is up to his usual standard. I think um, it's not the first time he's worked with Vinterberg. He's he worked with him in The Hunt. I don't know if anyone's seen that, but it's yeah. another abs- yeah, brilliant, brilliant film. But obviously, I've seen everything that Mads is in. Don't darker. worry. <laughs> yeah, much much darker subject matter. Uh, now, while I wouldn't call Druck a comedy per se, mm. it does have a much lighter tone. Um, one thing that did bring me a lot of joy, and there's a slightly, um, slightly odd dance scene yes, um, there is. during the film. <laughs> now, I knew Mads is a dancer, and he, he that was his training. Um, you can certainly tell that in some of the more action-packed uh, roles he's done, like Doctor Strange, um, but I'd never seen him actually dance before. And oh, he can move. He's, uh, he's oh, got yeah. the moves. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not done a Ricky Gervais, has he? No, no. <laughs> no, it's more, of a, it's more of a Christopher Walken weapon of choice. Yes. Oh, wow. He's, he's yeah. up there, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. They've, they've actually uh, 
clipped that scene on the internet now and they've put that weapon of choice into it. So that's a thing that's room, that's around now. But yeah, it's so good. Such a good film. Yeah, I was re- really glad that I got to see it. Finally, after waiting for what seems like forever. Mm. Really good. Really enjoyed it. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Biggie, you've been doing, boy. Well, I, uh, as I mentioned before, finger on the pulse and all that, I finally finished uh, Tiger King. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> finally got around to that. Man, that is something else. Spoiler alert, there was, there, yeah, there just, was a global issue after that. I, I, I was talking to my wife about it earlier today, and I was just like, the thing that blows my mind about that is that no one would write that as <laughs> a plot of some description. It's so insane. Well, Everything the film isn't coming. In it was yes. meant to be, wasn't it? Wasn't it Nicholas Cage? Nicholas Cage, Cage yeah. yeah. Part of it. He'd, he'd do anything just, for a few quid, Nick Cage. Just, what a story. Just, just, yeah. just, yeah, I still, I'm processing it now, really, about everything that happened in that series. <laughs> Weird. I mean, America is America, but wow, that was just something else. So, do you get all uh, the memes now that happened last year? Yeah, I kind of, <laughs> you couldn't escape it when it happens. I got all <clears> that, but it was just kind of wondering what it all meant, and now I totally understand it even more. But I was happy to try and avoid spoilers as best I mean, as I could. I mean, yeah, just... Even then, seeing it, you still don't fully understand the full insanity of it. No, it's, it's like so... I said to Gadget last week, I think it's terrible, but you've got to watch it. It's, yes. Oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's like watching a car crash. Hated it. My, my favourite single moment from that entire series is it, it's quite late on, and it's when they're talking um, with the... Um, the, the 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 exotic animals um, salesman, the kind of the one that eventually yes. dobs him in, and you just see him. There's like this establishing shot of him riding on a um, a jet ski. Yep. With a yes, yes. is a really kind of really large man <laughs> with a life vest on, wrap around shades, like a, a failing hairline coming back on a jet ski, and it's just like, why? Yeah. What, what, That's real why footage. Why? <laughs> Isn't that the dream? It, it was. It was one of those moments where when we were watching it, like like me and my girlfriend, like we just had to scroll back like two or three times. <laughs> we did actually see that. We, there's not like carbon monoxide in here or anything, is there? <laughs> Have you guys seen the Jinx? Uh, no. Did you see uh, that when it was? It's it's kind of. I think it was on. I don't even know if it was on Sky here, but it was on HBO in the states. It was a six part uh, documentary about this. Bizarre! It's the most jaw-dropping documentary I've ever seen, and Tiger King came close. But for me, if you can see the Jinx, oh, that's the most jaw-dropping. The Jinx, thing. getting that written Jinx, down. Yeah, oh, no, like, that, like, was, that was on the list when I was going through like it's like making a murder, and then I watched the Staircase, and then yeah, mm. yeah, this other one about some bank robbery that went r- crazy or something. I can't remember what the oh, name yeah, of that, that one was. This this one, I would say, don't read anything about it before you watch, Ooh. if you can. Don't yeah, read anything. Because every episode, I I literally would finish and go, what? <laughs> no. But seriously. It starts off with a dead body with no limbs, and it gets much Ooh. weirder from there. Oh, sold already. Um, <laughs> yeah, it hits it hits Sky over here, so I assume it's probably on now TV. Go. Oh, I've got to get another trial. <laughs> <laughs> but to make things a bit more fresh, the one thing I have binge-watched this week is Midnight Mass. Me too. Oh, yes, tell really? me about this, because I've got that ready to go. Well, yes. The the biggest problem about Midnight Mass is you can't really talk about too much about it because it oh, yeah, will ruin one it. of them. So what I will say is that the plot basically centers around an isolated island community that experiences supernatural events after the arrival of a mysterious priest who replaces the original Monsignor of the uh, island. But the actual um, TV series starts with um, one of the main characters 
who unfortunately was very drunk, killed um, somebody in a car crash. Um, he goes to prison for four years, and when he comes back out of prison, he's obviously got nothing. He was, he's, I think he, it's implied that he's sort of like uh, maybe into stocks and shares, something business-orientated in New York, and suddenly finds himself with absolutely nothing of the world left. So he goes back home to this isolated community. His family, who are very religious, take him back in. And, my God, the topics it covers is just insane. It's about loss, grief. It's about um, family ties, religion, obviously. Um, It's just so many things are covered in this. Um, And I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Um, There's a nice twist, obviously, uh, that we can't really talk about. But um, all the actors are in there are are absolutely brilliant. They've been picked out really well. I've seen um, Twitter exploding with Rahul Kohli as the sheriff. He's amazing. He's a beautiful man, that's why. (laughs) But, I mean, uh, it's created and directed by Mike Flanagan, who also yeah. did The Haunting of Hill House. Mm. Um, they're not so great Blythe Manor. I wasn't a big fan of that. But it's still good. Um, and Raul Coley was in that as well. Um, but, um, yeah, I've, I just think this is excellent. Really, really enjoyed it. And a nice play on a very popular theme, which mm. become clear once you watch it. Mm, love that. Yeah. They got that up nicely. It, because I, uh, yeah. my wife wanted to watch it, and I was I really didn't like Live Manor, like to the point where I watched it all apart from the last episode. I just... <laughs> wow. I just tuned out so much. I think I everyone's saying this is the best one. I, I like, I'm not... Um, I, mm, I'm sorry. I prefer Hill House. Myself. I think Hill House is still like a ma- an absolute masterpiece. I think, mm. I think Hill House yes, is extraordinary. But this, for me, is is up there. I think Ooh. it's really good. Ooh, ooh, there you go, dear listener. Right, (laughs) who am I missing? (laughs) Yes, there you go, catch it. (laughs) What have you been doing this week, sir? Uh, It's uh, not much to report because um, I've spent most of the week reading Helen's book. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Last minute cramming. It's all right, Helen (laughs) spent (laughs) most of her life writing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it it was last minute cramming because um, I've I've also been kind of busy with work and stuff this week, so I I ended up reading 219 pages today. Wow. See what I mean yeah. about him, him being able to read fast? <laughs> I'd still be here, like going through it now, just trying to pick out bits to talk about. Chapter one. <laughs> but um, so a handful of things that I have been doing. Uh, I've been catching up on season two of uh, Star Trek Lower Decks oh, on Amazon. Yes. Love it. Yes, yes, yes. Which is so funny, so funny. and it, they've they've just amped up the insanity from so um, from the first season. There's far more references that they've got guest appearances from like um, him who played Tom Paris in yeah. Voyager, um, the Borg Queen Alice Krieg is in it. Um, oh, it's so so funny, um, and I think there's two episodes. Um, they've just put out episode nine, and then episode ten will be next week. So there's two episodes left for me to watch. Can I just quickly um, say because um, he mentioned it again on this week's podcast, James talking mm-hmm. about how he refuses to watch Lower Decks. I know he needs to. Yeah. What's wrong with him? He, he doesn't like adult anime. animation. No. Yeah, because Family Guy got comedy. mad. <laughs> or comedy, yeah, in fairness. He also doesn't like comedy or fun or joy. <laughs> I, 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 I like him already. <laughs> I, I, I still think it's one of the best adaptations of I Star do. Trek outside of, the, outside of like the 90s Star this Trek. This is what I've been telling him. I've been like, it's really, really in touch with Star Trek's core values, but it's hilarious yeah. about it. So, yeah, it's just, it's yeah. it, it, it's hilarious, but it's progressive. Like you, mm-hmm. you get a lot of things about like uh, character sexualities and stuff like that, which I which I really like. Uh, Beckett Mariner is such a really good so leading good. character. 
um, and uh, Boimler is a great foil to her. <laughs> yeah. Um, which um, I mean, it's it, I mean, it 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 uh, it's the vo- the voice actor's just playing the same role as he plays in the in the boys, in the isn't boys, he? Yeah. And, yeah. and he's just I mean, his scenes on Riker's ship are some of the funniest things I've ever <laughs> yeah. seen in Star Trek ever. Just amazing. How they ca- how how they pl- play with Riker's character as well, like. The, sh- the ship, the ship's going through some catastrophic battle, and he he, he just he just gets up into something. There's too there's too much bass in this jazz. We need some more toms. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> it's, it's so funny, but it's it is absolutely something Riker would say. I love it. It's it, so it's funny. so good for me because like uh, I, was it last year? I watched all of Star Trek. Yeah, oh, for the did. first time in my life, I watched all of. It was last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. During lockdown, I just, I just did all of, including the original series. I did all of Star Trek, and to me, then I watched Lower Decks. I'm like, oh, I get all. This is incredible. This is really good. But I, yeah, the moment, the moment you got to Enterprise and brought up the theme. Tune yeah, for I stopped Enterprise. watching Enterprise. <laughs> I, I didn't watch it. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't watch it. It was terrible. Yeah. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I am. A, I would consider myself a Trekkie, and I have not. Seen all of Enterprise. Don't know me either. I gave up yeah. on it, unfortunately. Just, it's, yeah. it's totally off Enterprise. It's just, it's not. No, but it's Scott Bacula, so I really yeah. should give it another go someday. Mm. You know, maybe it's, it's going to age better. TV. Maybe it will. Mm. Maybe it will. Which is the one that's got that awful theme tune? That's, that's the one. That's for Enterprise. <laughs> that's oh, Enterprise. That yeah. yeah. It's not just awful. It's just it shouldn't be there. <laughs> it would be a perfectly good theme tune for a, a drama about small town America. <clears throat> yes, it would. Yeah. It's so weird, so random that. There's a, the, the, uh, and before I move on, just one of the things I loved most about um, Lower, Lower Decks is actually specifically my girlfriend's reaction to it. So she she loves Next Generation. It was like something that she used to watch with her dad when she was a kid, and she loved the episode Darmok, which is um, mm. which is the only episode of Star Trek ever to feature the Temerians who speak entirely in allegory and metaphor. Yes. And um, in uh, Lower Decks, they bring in a new security officer who is a Darmok and speaks in. Um, in that language, and and at the very end of the episode, he just says "Shaka when the walls fell" in like a really jokey <laughs> end of cartoon. Where and my girlfriend, like Nelly, like she just like screeched in happiness because that is such a surreal character trait, and it's wonderful. Um, but the main thing I want to talk about is, um, and I'm not going to go into spoilers for it, but I finished Death Loop this week. Death Loop. Um, finally managed to finish Death Loop. It's so fucking good. So good. As soon as you texted me, I, was, I turned it straight back on. I, was, I need to get back to it. I'm sorry, Death Stranding. It's Death Loop time. Um, I do have a couple of criticisms with it, so I, I I don't think it's going to bother Monster Hunter Rise as my game of the year. Okay, um, but it it's up there. It's right up there. Um, mostly my criticisms revolve around the fact that I kind of, for all that there's all this freedom in the levels, I think from what I can see, there's only one solution for the final loop. Um, oh, and I, and that kind of it doesn't annoy me so much, but I think it's a little bit of a letdown when you're given all this freedom so early on and for the majority of the game to go through the levels in whatever order you want, do all the story beats in whatever order you want to have a set way to do the ending. Um, and I think also by that point, you're very tooled up and it's actually a bit too easy. It needs to be a bit harder for that final loop. Um, but other than that, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And I, I actually love the ending. The ending is, is, is one of those, it's one of those games where the ending is quite a short, sharp one. Oh, rather than like 15 um, different endings. Yeah. It's not a Kojima game. <laughs> you, you're not getting a Death Stranding two hour ending. Mm, yeah. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> but I really like the ending I got, um, because it, it, it's one of those games. Again, the, at the very end, it offers you a choice yeah. and the choice I made, I was very satisfied with. Um, I think it's, I think it is probably Arcane's best game. I think, Dishonored 2 was technically, from a technical perspective, a lot better in terms of like the amount of things that you can do with it and the amount of ways to play with the game. 
But this is like a more accessible, more refined version of that. And I think it is absolutely brilliant. Those kind of little niggly misgivings aside. And I only bring those up because it's such a good game. Like You've got to be critical, haven't you? (laughs) You've got to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like It's such a good game. They are tiny concerns because I enjoyed it from start to finish. There was not a point of the game I didn't enjoy. You know, I love um, Prey. So you think it's, it's way above that by the sounds of it? Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's way above that. I think there's a lot of a lot less backtracking than in Prey, and um, I, th- I think Prey's world makes a lot more sense than uh, Black Reef Island. Black Reef Island's just insane, <laughs> but it's the ins- they let you enjoy the insanity. Like it's more of a sandbox to play in than uh, Talos one was in Prey. Yeah, that's fair enough. But um, I-, I think Prey's aesthetic was better. Like I like the kind of Art Deco sci-fi mm. in space floating around kind of thing. But um, yeah, I think I do think Deathloop is a better game for it. Excellent. Well, I do look forward to borrowing it from you. <laughs> yes, I shall. I, I shall bring it down to you. So you don't have to spend seventy pounds. <laughs> I'm not doing it. But yes, I can't wait. Uh, Helen, what yeah. have you been doing this week? Um, I have been uh, quite a few things actually because I've been quite lazy this week and haven't done very much work. <laughs> so I've been catching up on stuff. Uh, so I've been uh, rereading, re 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 rereading. Technically, uh, Wheel of Time ahead of that starting in November. I'm up to book 12. I have been uh, watching, catching up on some stuff that I hadn't mi- had missed when it came out. So Midnight Mass, for example. Um, not Tiger King. Not No, I saw that <laughs> way back when everybody else watched it. I'm very... Everyone in the world. Everybody I was busy world. watching other things. <laughs> Sorry, big guest still haven't watched it. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I did watch um, Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales yesterday. Yes, my which- kids did. I was kind of hoping for more, I'll be honest, because Lego Star Wars Christmas special and the Lego is so important in that sentence. Yeah. Um, it was brilliant. <laughs> it it was, is really like, good. It was really funny. And the Terrifying Tales was fine. I thought, mm. So I was a bit of a, you know, a, bit of a letdown. Um, and, and otherwise, uh, I went to the cinema and I saw some stuff. But oh. I'm not sure I'm allowed to. Oh, yes. Don't, don't get in trouble on, on our account. Please no, don't. I don't want to break any embargoes. I think I, I'm definitely, the embargo is up for Dune now, so I can't say I've. Is it good? I fucking love it. Yes! Yes! <laughs> Stig, we need to book tickets. Oh, I made, I made just, a special trip for an hour away to go see it on IMAX. Like just full disclosure, like I was on set. I have, it turned out I was, when I was, yes. I, I've got new bookshelves behind me, um, which you guys can see and listeners cannot, but um, I, when I was putting all my books, you know, sorting everything out and putting them on the shelves, it turns out I have three copies of Dune, not two. I thought I've I had got, like I've got two, e-book. and I've got yeah, I've got there. the audio book as well. It's one of the yeah. I've, the, the whole Dune collection is the only thing I've actually paid money for for audio books because the others, you know, with your subscription and Audible, I just get oh, the right. tokens. But this is the ones that I've actually put like physical cash, physical cash. Because you've idiot. got a special Dune <laughs> gift, haven't you? Oh yeah, yeah. We, we, Helen, we did a <laughs> Secret Santa last year um, uh-huh. on the podcast, and it was like live openings of gifts. And for for some reason, because uh, I'd gotten a couple of the people on the podcast to read Dune, um, <laughs> uh, expecting that the film was going to come out when it was originally supposed to last year. Sure. Yep. Um, yep. And for some reason, um, somewhat one one of this collective who will remain nameless. Got me a, a little canvas of um, Sting from the Dune, original Dune film. Oh. Topless Sting. So, topless Sting Holly. in his nappy. Yeah, ba- <laughs> sta- nappy sta- stand, yeah. Standing yeah. like that with his hands on his hips. Nappy wearing like, Sting. Wow. That was. Um, what a special gift. Very special. <laughs> that, that was the look on his face. Yeah. <laughs> you, you had a lot to say about that film, didn't you, Idols? Yeah, that. Watched that, it for the first time last year. I watched, yeah, I did a lot of the firsts last year. You were bored. It was, bored. Big, it was, it was a, lockdown. It was fine. Yeah, it was a big year for me. Uh, but yeah, that original. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's not a good film, is it? 
<laughs> it's it's famously not no, and I think this one is is. But they, did, they didn't tell me if it was work. bad or not. They just said what because oh. <laughs> we all God. suffered it. God. <laughs> so can I, Helen, can I ask you a question about sure. visiting June on set? So yeah. I imagine obviously there's going to be a lot of green screen special effects sand everywhere. Nope. <laughs> so at what point? Where where did you visit it exactly? Then? So sadly, I didn't get to go to the desert, which <laughs> I would have freaking loved. Yes. Um, uh, but no, I got to go to Budapest, which is where they had built their set. So they wow. basically all the stuff when you say all the stuff in the desert is just in the desert. There's really no set there. Um, you so can I tell was, it's real. You can, you genuinely can. Yeah. It looks incredible. But um, I was on the sets that they built in Origo Studios outside Budapest, and they were. I mean, I've been on big films. I've been on you know Wonder Woman and a yeah. couple of Marvel, several Marvel films, and you know uh, Harry Potter's and all the rest. These are the biggest sets I think yeah. I've ever been on. They were like probably three hundred meters long. Um, there was very little green screen. Maybe up over the sort of thirty foot mm. point, they would have some green screen so they could extend upwards. But there was nothing green near any of the actors in any of the stuff I saw them doing. Wow. It's astonishing. Incredible. Yeah. I can't yeah. stress enough, I want everyone listening to this to actually go physically see it in the cinema. Yes. Because yes. we need yeah. sequels. We need them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We do, because this is only half of the book. Yes. That's right. And this is not a, that's not a spoiler, I don't think. There is a natural break. If you know the book, yeah. you'll know oh, what yeah. I'm talking about. There's a natural point. That's where they're breaking the film. And, and it does feel like a story yeah. that is complete in itself, but it also feels like a story where you're like, I need more, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me more now. I was like that when I saw uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, yeah. I was a fan of the books anyway. And when I saw the, the first one, the cinema, you just like, it's a long film anyway, but you just mm. wanted it to keep going. It wasn't long yeah. enough. <laughs> Not yeah, even close. I remember I saw that in, uh, I was in Austin, Texas when that came out. And I was coming out of the cinema. I saw it, I mean, I saw it seven times, I think, in the cinema. But what, on one of those occasions, I was coming out of the cinema behind two people who were saying, God, that's a really weird end to a film. <laughs> And I sort of, I, 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 I did, like, I try not to be that guy, but on this occasion, I did sort of lean forward and go, they are, they have, they have made the next one. It will be out next Christmas. You know. um, but can you imagine yeah. that coming out of that going, yeah, what a weird ending. Like, it is based on there There's people out there that didn't actually know that though. Yeah. Yeah, they, they had no idea. I guess by that point, that was probably not my first viewing, which everybody in that audience knew everything that was going to happen. But, um, but I think it might've been third or fourth. So they'd obviously heard it was a big deal. But mm. didn't know why. Maybe mm. let's be charitable and assume that was it. But yeah, <laughs> incredible. Can I just ask, ask a quick question, just regarding um, going on set visits? I've always wondered: is there anything that you've been on and you've seen Stolen it and got, from? I, no, I, <laughs> <laughs> She's no. got loads of lightsabers. No. No. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I just, I just thought, do you know what? I wish I wasn't here to see that, and I would have seen it in the, <laughs> finishing in the cinema. Oh, that's a good. Oh, point. I see what you mean. Um, like no, because you're so part. excited being on set, to be yeah. honest. Okay. Um, and and most of the stuff I've been on, um, some things they, they have brought me on set for spoilers or the last scene in the film, and you're just like, this is unhelpful, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, you know, because they're like, well, this is the day when everyone's here, so we've brought you on set today, but you can't write about what you're seeing. Oh. <laughs> and you're like... That, that's that's less helpful than you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> it would be better to come for like two half days, just dangling um, the carrot, just to just to yeah. tease you. Imagine so, imagine so, imagine rocking up to like the set and there's a big like see, like greened up um, Josh Brolin and he's just going like this. <laughs> <laughs> he's going like, oh no! <laughs> I'm not well, even going to say it because I, mean, I don't want to spoil it for people that have not seen it. But yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, my, my I think my colleague has talked about this now, but um. 
Something similar did happen to Chris on set of Infinity oh, War. No. So, um, oh no! Oh <laughs> no! So yeah, you 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 sometimes learn stuff that you maybe wish you hadn't. But um, but they do tend. To, basically, the important thing is to know what's a spoiler because then you you know not to put it in your piece. True. You know, but True. but like um, and that's what I always kind of say to people when I'm going on set. Look, if something's a spoiler and you're worried I'm going to guess it or mm. you worry you've said too much, just let me know it's a spoiler because yeah. then I won't give it away to readers. Did um, you imagine being on set for Christian Bale's meltdown? Imagine that. Again, again, they warned the actors were going to be there, so I think there's, yeah, like, there's yeah. an element of people keeping themselves under control those days. But um, but no, you you know, there's a, there's an element of give and take. I think that people know that you know yeah, you're there, so they're on their good behaviour. But they're all um, smiling that day. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> I'm sure I read there in um, one of your magazines. It might have been on the podcast where you there must be some sort of. I don't know how it's divvied out, who goes where, where you must be like, oh, God, I've got that phone. I wish I had that one. Fierce competition, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> James would have done Dune, but he wasn't available that day. And <gasps> so luckily I was I was at least second in line. But, like, I, I know that. Like, he had campaigned for that very hard. Um, <laughs> I, back in the day, before we knew what the film was going to be, lobbied very hard for X-Men Origins Wolverine. Um, <laughs> look, I'm a, look, I'm a Wolverine fangirl. I didn't know the film so was going to turn out like that yeah, until I went on set. Me too. But even then, like even on set, you're sort of, you know, they're they're telling you the, the setup to the film, and they're they're giving the outline, and you're a bit like, why are all these other mutants in my Wolverine? Yeah, <laughs> that was my next question. <laughs> Do you ever have a meltdown? Worse sword coming out of his arm. Yeah. Whatever, there's Deadpool, and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't look like Deadpool. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, that was going to be my next question. Was if you ever go onto set, do you personally think, oh, I don't think this is going? The way I'd hope. They look so different, though, <laughs> don't they? The finished product. Yeah, they do, but you, you do tend to have a fairly good outline. You yeah. do tend to have an idea. Like I, I did think Wolverine was overcomplicated, mm. and I did it think was. that I came back from three hundred, and I said, "Look, it's going to look amazing." I don't know what the dialogue or the story is going to be like. But it's going to look incredible. <laughs> no one went to see three hundred for the dialogue, though. <laughs> Can you imagine being on set? I was the only female journalist. It was very, very distracting. I bet it was. Um, <laughs> we know where your gaze was. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but that's that's genuinely the thing. That is, uh, this is a genuine part of the book. Like, uh, it's one of the things that frustrates me about that film is that um, everybody talked about it being homoerotic. Which okay, the Spartans though. See that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing is, like, when there's a film full of women in bikinis, they don't call that homoerotic. No, no they call no, that no. just erotic. So there's an yeah. assumption either way that it's men who are doing the looking, mm. and women don't really feature anyway. But yes, they wear all in pants because I've been I've been sitting on the plane <laughs> over. I was rereading the book on the plane on the way over, going, "Well, they're definitely going to put them in armor. I mean, they're yeah. they're pretty much naked in the book. That's <laughs> not going to be the case." And then I walked on set and was like, okay. "Oh, hello, Jerry Butler. Hello. <laughs> look them in the eyes. Look them in the yeah. eyes." <laughs> oh, too hard to resist. Excellent. We're going to wrap this segment up now, and as we always do, we're going to go to the main topic now. And Biggie, you're the man that tells us what we're going to be doing. Oh, great! I've just seen what's written there as well. Okay. <laughs> Did you not clock that? Biggie had no. a bit of a moment with the intro last week. Uh, so. I was tired, all right? <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> th this week, we discuss our favourite people in Hollywood to the point of women. <laughs> that's terrible! That's, we're not Can someone explain to Helen so, why so, that's So, last, last week, our subject was uh, things that have aged like milk. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, just things that just haven't aged well over the years. And uh, mm. uh, Biggie's intro was... 
we're, to, we're, we're talking about things that have aged to the point of milk. <laughs> With the absolute confidence in what he was saying, at which point we all I died laughing. I was meant to say, it just didn't come out so well. Yeah, I, I, I feel you. Yeah, I understand. What are we Thank really you. doing? What's this main topic? <laughs> we are celebrating, of course, women in Hollywood. Excellent. In Hollywood. Excellent, excellent. And what we do, um, Helen, I'm sure you've been prepped, we do a little round table, very similar to mm-hmm. that other segment. We're very original, <laughs> and we just go from people to people, and we've all got one person to discuss, but it's probably going to be a massive discussion in general anyway. So we're going to start with, at random, Candy oh, Machine. Actually, can I just... Oh. mentioned that it was going to be an original topic of ours it was. a few weeks ago for those that didn't realise that. Mm. But then um, the lovely Helen had posted on Twitter about her book. So and Biggie capitalised on it. <laughs> so, yeah, I just literally um, just suddenly said to the guys, wow, have you seen this Twitter? This is a really good timing. And then just tried to see if we could get Helen on. And then it was just a, naturally her diary's mega busy. So it's just trying to fit it all in. And she was but as Helen nice told to us, she's addicted on. to podcasts. So... <laughs> straight in. That's true. Straight so we'll in. see you next week. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Helen, we can't do next week. We'll do it. <laughs> oh, it's like that, is it? I see. All right. But yeah, we'll start with Candy Machine. Who are you bringing to the table? Well, mine, I think, is probably going to be slightly different to everyone else's in that this woman has become uh, slightly larger in Hollywood more recently, particularly within the last five years, and that's uh, Lauren Schmidt Hisrick. Ah. Um, Lauren Schmidt-Hisrick, who I, I'm going to refer to her as Lauren, I hope she doesn't mind, is an <laughs> American TV producer and screenwriter, and she's the executive producer of the television series of The Witcher, which came out in, ah. I believe it was in late 2019. Yes. Um, and her work on The Witcher is kind of what I'm going to be focusing on particularly, um, although I will go through her history as well. Um, she got her start in Hollywood in 2002 as a writer for West Wing. Oh, um, I used to love West Wing. Oh, the West Wing is the greatest. Oh, absolutely. Brilliant. Oh, so good. Yeah. So she worked as a story editor and scriptwriter for also for Justice, for Drive, and Grey's Anatomy spin-off Private Practice. Oh. Um, and then in... <laughs> Not a fan. I, 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 uh, my wife's obsessed with Grey's Anatomy, so every time I hear those, those two words, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> so in 2016, she became involved in uh, the Marvel series Daredevil. And then in 2019, she worked as a writer and co-executive executive producer on Netflix's Umbrella Academy. Oh, that's so good. Which ended up being the third most popular on the streaming site yeah. of the year. Um, and now the reason I wanted to go through the history, obviously, apart from being an incredible uh, backlog of work that she's um, done, she's obviously she's not afraid of taking on what might be considered male-based yeah. projects. that's what Bernie's I just realised, yeah. Daredevil, West Wing, um, Proper male power and, fantasy things as well. Mm. And well, and nothing could be more evident, really, than um, taking on the role of executive producer on the popular book and possibly even more popular game series, mm. yeah. The Witcher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, when she was approached to adapt the Witcher, Witcher books to screen, she herself wasn't even sure she was the right person for the job, having never really done a fantasy series before. Um, and after seeing the show and reading the books, um, she, she was absolutely, I think having a woman as the, as the showrunner was absolutely what should have been done. There's so many strong women within the story. Oh, and God, yeah. It would be an absolute disservice to them to have somebody writing what they think it's like yeah. being a female. <laughs> and Gadget, you've raised that point before. I think we, we were brought, you brought it up when we were talking about Artemis by Andy Weir. Yeah. And you, you found it obvious that it was a man trying to write 
what he thought it might be like being a woman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the, there, there are... I wouldn't even dare attempt that. It must be so ever. easy being a woman. <laughs> there are there are some male authors who are very capable of writing in a woman's voice. Yes. Um, two of my lead characters in my book were, were, were women, and I tried to write them Here we go, what I thought look. would be authentically. But it's really difficult. Like, I had to rewrite those characters several times to get it to a point where I wasn't offending anyone who read it. It must be scary, though. It's it must terrifying. be such a scary thing. It's absolutely terrifying. I've said terrifying. to you that my favourite character in your book is the president. Yeah, Anna. It's Anna. Mm. Like, so, yeah, so far, like, the, the female character is my favourite character in the book. So yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, but, done a good but job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Andy Weir's Artemis kind of really missed the mark with the, the lead character and that she is a completely unbelievable woman. She is written as, <laughs> she is written as, a, as a bloke going, oh, this is what women are like. <laughs> it's just, it's not I think good. I just read it as if she was a, a was a man. Yeah, a, yeah, a it's much character. easier to read that book if you just read the main character as a bloke. Yeah, you just have to follow the story rather than the fact that it's a woman. Um, so, for anyway, going back to the Witcher. So, for example, in the series, on the first series alone, um, you have Ciri, you have Calanthe the Lioness, uh, Renfrey, aka Shrike. You got Yennefer and Triss as well, and. What I love about the way she's produced it is that she's allowed these characters to be fully fleshed out women um, rather than just women that are closely linked to Geralt. Um, for example, in the books, Yennefer didn't actually have a huge backstory. Nope. Mm. Um, it resulted in fans. I think it was just. It- I think it was just the last wish she she mainly like appeared in, isn't it? In the books, she just kind. Of, she was yeah. She was. I mean, long lost girlfriend it, type thing. Yeah, it it resulted in. Some fans, I think, finding it difficult to connect with her from the books since yeah. she was always portrayed as being somewhat aloof. Um, yeah. And in the TV series, uh, Lauren not only gave her a past that made a slightly, it gave it a slightly more nuance, but also a story that progressed feminism in fantasy, I think. I think she was incredible. Really seen. Yeah. I think she was absolutely incredible in it. I think, I think one, good, one really good thing that she did with the adaptation of because I, I I wasn't sure on the actor's performance as uh, Yennefer. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I'm the same. I one. loved it. But I like the character. Um, and what I really liked about how the character was written is that because in the games Yennefer is very much an extension of Geralt. Yes. Um, and sort of sort of in the books as well with the backstory, she, she doesn't meet Geralt until like two thirds of the way through the series. Like she has her yeah. own story before she meets Geralt. Um, and I I much preferred that because she has her own motivations where she doesn't in the games. It's just orbiting around Geralt in some strange way. <laughs> you would orbit round him, though. I would. I know you would. Geralt of Rivia. <laughs> get, get back under your bridge, you little goblin. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be so easy for somebody to to write a story that is completely Geralt-focused. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure a lot of fans would like that as well. But to actually like fully flesh out these characters around him is probably a fairly brave step, especially considering some of the the hardcore Witcher fandom. And like you mentioned, Helen, some fandoms are slightly more aggressive than others. And I think possibly a gaming fandom might be one of the more aggressive Many, ones. Yes. Well, I mean, Gamergate and so on. Yeah. Yes. And, and also, I think I think it's a credit to, you know, she must have kind of laid that out pretty early for Henry Cavill, for example, because he's by far the biggest name in the show. Like, it's not close. And so to an extent, he would have had to buy into that idea and he would have had to be sold on, you know, 
it being clear that it's a kind of a, it's not quite a co-lead. He's definitely the lead of the show, but mm. this is a very significant chunk of time with other characters. Yeah, Yennefer yeah. um, gets like nearly a, might not a, a full two episodes to herself. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah. massive that. Obviously, obviously they have to put Cavill in for five minutes in each episode. It turns up. <laughs> but... we, we demanded it. Yeah, yes, correct. Yeah, exactly. Um, but she's actually been quoted as saying, um, "I think for me, I just understand where Yennefer came from. Part of her strength is a coldness." Um, uh, part of the strength is her coldness um, and all the boundaries that she's put up. She, and then she also went on to say, um, and I apologise because this is quite a long quote, but I think it's important. Um, One of Yennefer's driving forces in the books is the dis- this desire to have a child. And I wanted to understand exactly where that came from. And it's one of my favourite decisions. Obviously, in the book, it's a big deal, but ma- majors are sterilised. I wanted yeah. to make Yennefer culpable for that decision. I wanted it to partially be with her that it wasn't something that was forced on her unfairly because i think that's much more reflective of real life we all make decisions that we make and we think they're right in the moment and then they ripple out into our futures it's just dominoes that are for, uh, falling and i think to make yennefer not a victim but part of that decision just makes her a more interesting character to me and much more like the women i know in real life um and i don't want to be sexist in saying that i think um a male writer or a male producer might not quite um, hit that point on the head. Yeah. I mean, Andrzej Andr- Sapkowski doesn't really hit the nail on the head no, in the books. Yennefer y- y- no. is a very different character in the books. She's not mm. that And nice. yet she's still, yeah. She's, I mean, there's still strong female characters in there. It's certainly, when was The Witcher written? The 80s? 90s. Early 90s. 80s, 90s. So... I mean, that's, that was fairly progressive for that time. I, mean, I know it seems like the 90s isn't, isn't that long ago, but in terms of where women are in Hollywood now or in books, it has, um, there's certainly been a massive difference. Yeah. Um, another thing I really like about how she's um, portrayed women, that often strong women in films um, are shown as older. Um, for example, a lot of people were taken aback by how young Jennifer looked, but, you know, why should power only come with age? Agreed. And I love that Lauren... Is not afraid to have women of all ages and appearances portraying powerful women. Um, I, it makes me wonder if a man, you know, if men. I don't, I don't want to sound men hating because I absolutely don't mean it that way at all. <laughs> You're allowed to, don't worry. No, well, no I mean, not that I'm giving you permission else, either. Just, just, just <laughs> do what you need to do. <laughs> Thank you, Oodles, voice of men of all the world. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. He doesn't speak for us. We've had a meeting me- about it. <laughs> It makes me wonder if another director or another producer um, would only cast a stronger action fo- action focused woman as older or sort of more beaten up or masculine looking because if their faces got injured in battle, it wouldn't matter. Mm. You know, do, do people kind of see it that way? Oh, she's tough looking anyway. She's seen battle. doesn't matter if she gets a hilt to the face. Um, and Lauren hasn't made that uh, division that beautiful women can't possibly be tough as well. You know, it's not one or the other. Um, and as I mentioned before, like, of course, when researching this, the ugly side of Reddit raised its head. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you don't, don't go, go to Reddit. <laughs> don't I go. fell down the Reddit hole. Oh. I, I was researching. I had to, <laughs> I had to find all angles, unfortunately. But, you know, how dare a woman take on a series based in part on a computer game? Women don't play computer games. She won't understand it. <laughs> but I think she understands perfectly fucking well, and even more so than some of the early entries of the games. Um, for example, in the first game, it had a particularly heinous mechanic of gamifying sleeping with women yep. Uh, yep. by letting Geralt collect sex cards sex of the cards. women that he'd oh, conquered. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, 
It were virtual notches on the bedpost, but in Pokemon-style trading cards. Oh, oh no. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, I do not like it. With nipples. Oh. Yep, that, that was in 2007. And the thing is, the, the graphics in the game were blocky. They, they weren't yeah, great. Yeah, crap. But the artwork <laughs> on those cards was possibly the most meticulous in the game. <laughs> of course they were like it was. Some, men, yeah. some, some men really told on this, on themselves with that stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's always been an interesting... I mean, I genuinely... I, maybe they're, they have been written, I haven't been, haven't read them, but I do think there are theses to be written on boobs in video games. Oh, just, they're everywhere. It's, no, but like... That's but the like, title of your next book. blockiness should be a pillar, except I don't know anything about games, so I'm not the person to write it, but... Um, <laughs> But you know the the blockiness of those early kind oh, of yeah. Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. But, but at the same time, there was enough curve mm-hmm. to get everybody excited. So, like, how much curve is 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 the yeah. minimum degree of curve? And, and and game you know games companies have often said that women are harder. Their their excuse has been that female characters are harder to design, mm. and the mechanics are harder. How do the breasts move? There's no way to know. Oh God! <laughs> how could we research this topic? Yeah. I mean, I mean, then, then you get companies like. Um, um, was a Ko- uh, Koei Tecmo with uh, Dead or Alive? Who, I who, knew you were going to bring that. Who have teams? They, they have that. development teams dedicated <laughs> to the breast physics. Teams, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Right. bounce yeah. teams. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if you created your own character, the older they got, the bigger the boobs got. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that how those, I don't think that's how those. I don't work. think I mean, it I'm is not a scientist. Unfortunately, that's how mine has worked. <laughs> <laughs> Um, wow. So yeah, I yeah. mean, in- inevitably the fans that enjoy that kind of thing, they sort of taken it upon themselves to try and grief her on Twitter. Oh. But she does um, the way she deals with it. She does deal with it with grace, and she actually explained that not all, of course, not all negative comments are hate, and she does take negative criticism on board. And you know, sometimes people just want an explanation of creative decisions. Um, and then the, the, to the ones that do want to cause a grief, she said, and this is lovely. Uh, those people I let go. They're welcome to opinions, but I don't let them get in our way. My commitment to bring this rich, fun, dark, culturally diverse, life lesson filled fantasy world to a greater audience is stronger than my desire not to be yelled at on the internet. Yeah. So I think that was just Ooh, an absolutely lo- lovely Love way to deal with it. And, perfectly- and there's obviously a lot of people are waiting for The Witcher 2. It surprised a lot of mm. people how well that series took off. So oh, It was uh, better than it had yeah. any right to be. It was really good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. Excellent. Yeah, I just think she's a really good example of uh, a modern, modern creative in Hollywood, rather than somebody that's in front of the camera. And I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't know who she was until you said who she was. But it's, <laughs> you, you, you've opened my eyes to it. It's, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. But yeah. yeah, and it's good. It's good to see Netflix hiring showrunners like that and oh, giving yeah. them power and giving them, you know, uh, the room to manoeuvre. I think that they've always given men so with straight white cis able bodied etc. Yes, yeah. it's funny you should mention that actually because it got me thinking when I was researching. You know, I wonder how many female game directors there are, and I know um, games aren't necessarily your cup of tea, Helen. But it was mm. interesting to find out that I c- that there's barely any. There's a few writers, isn't there? Like of of note, but yeah, there's just... there's there's writers and there's creatives yeah. and there's, there's women that are high up in gaming companies but there's no as far as i could see or as far as i can think of no actual directors, directors. Yeah. yeah it's i think it's all terror theory kind of rearing its head again we're we're mm. more likely to cr- credit men as these creative 
auteurs. I mean, it's something that, I mean, and this, I didn't get a chance to put all of this in the book because it would have taken at least chapters and I think it could be a book on its own. Women in animation, I think, is a real smoking gun for sexism mm. in Hollywood because, well, you know, for example, with cinematographers, they go, well, you have to lift lots of heavy equipment early in your career. You have to come up via being a cameraman. That's why there are no women cinematographers, right? Um, which isn't true anymore, but fine. Historically, okay. But animation, that has never been yeah. true. There has never been any heavy lifting. And yet these these sexist myths have persisted and, and uh, Walt Disney thought women didn't have any rhythm and therefore couldn't animate. And that wow. became the industry standard. And women have always been a minority as a result. Incredible. And even now, and of course we know about you know the problems John Lasseter at Pixar, yeah. But like even at Pixar, which I've been to and it genuinely does seem like the happiest place on earth and they've got, you know, cereal bars uh, like as in a room full of cereal for you to have your breakfast. <laughs> um, you know, they've got they've got toys, they've got cool stuff, they've got, you know, g- gyms and swimming pools and everything. It's just an amazing, amazing place. And even there, it's massively sexist historically. Mm, wow. And women get kind of shunted into the less creative directory roles and locked out of exactly the kind of roles you're talking about, Candy, with the, you know, exactly out of directing, exactly out of animation leading, and into things that are kind of more executive, more supporting, more producery, more assistive than mm. creative, you know? Um, so, yeah, there's there's still a lot of work to be done in a lot of industries. Same with VFX, I think they're they're working really hard on it, mm. but I think they've, they've also would, uh, they would also say they've got a long way to go. I think potentially from my experience as well, and I, I don't know if that's across the board, I might, I might have just been unlucky, but I actually did al- illustration and animation at um, uni and I, it was in a class of, I think, 25 and there were three females wow. doing it. So even, you know, even long before it gets to the point of being hired, there's, yeah. a, there's a division and I can't understand why that would be at that point. No, no reason. <sighs> so um, I, I, I just had a quick Google search there on just to like find out about like female game designers or game developers. And you're right, there's shockingly few of, <laughs> of note, but I found, this, I found this article which has 17 most influential women game developers. I thought this would be the perfect place to look. Ooh. And and the people it's referring to are people are, are people like uh, Mabel Addis, whose most famous game was the Sumerian game in 1964. Mm. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or wow. uh, Dan, uh, Danielle, uh, Danielle Berry, Seven Cities of Gold, 1984. Uh, Christy Marks, Conquest of Camelot, 1990. Oh wow, Roberta yeah. Roberta Williams King's Quest series. You know, it's all these like it. it seems I'm like, seeing a trend there. Yeah, so mm-hmm. many women are being pushed out. Like the the only ones I can see that are current are like Amy Hennig, who's the um, yeah, she's a writer. She's, isn't she's she? a writer, not a games director. Yeah. Mm. Or uh, Rihanna Pratchett. Rihanna Pratchett. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. Or, uh, so that Brent, suggests Brenda like Romero. like in film, it's getting worse. Yeah, mm. it's getting worse, not better. Oh. It's certainly not getting better. Yeah, we need to make I mean, it better. I, <laughs> we do. Can I just ask you about your introduction to your book? Mm. That just how difficult was that to write? Because you're trying to cover so much in your book and trying mm. to cover as much as you can within the realms of, I don't know, pages, time, every research, everything. Yeah. Your introduction, the amount of things you had to say to try and not offend, upset, explain. <laughs> this was something else. I just couldn't. It was, yeah, it was more about like to hear setting that. it in context a little yeah. bit because I was aware that, I mean, the, look, the book is laughably uh, overambitious because I was trying to cover over 100 years of Hollywood history. It's a lot, obviously, yeah. Uh, from all different angles and the only common sort of theme is women. And, um, and so I kind of had to set myself some rules. So is Hollywood, it's not 
world film. Yeah. Um, and it is, um, you know, and I sort of laid that out and I said, it, you know, it is film and uh, I've mentioned a few TV shows, but it's not TV really or any of that. And I had to kind of make it clear. And also, like, I had made a real effort throughout the book. I was really conscious that I didn't want this to be a work of sort of white feminism, in inverted yeah. commas, and just mm-hmm. worried about, like, you know, as long as some women, white women are getting rich, then everything's peachy. And I wanted to kind of be conscious of that and try and be intersectional and inclusive and everything else. And the problem is, of course, none of those women were able to make a mark. And so their stories aren't told. There are There are no records really you know of black women in the silent era there are almost no uh disabled women women with disabilities Mm. in hollywood history who have had significant ongoing careers um and and equally trans women are beginning to break through but you know i I find a couple of uh, very noxious examples of trans women who had gotten jobs in the film industry in the 60s and 80s and were outed and treated horrendously. Oh wow! Uh, when the papers realised, you know what, who they were. Um, so it's so I kind of wanted to be clear. I'm, this is not that I'm not looking for these people. It's that these people were not allowed in the door. Yeah, and that's the problem. Um, yeah. It's also my problem if I didn't find them. <laughs> there were more stories out there that I didn't tell. But you know, I I I did want to say I have been trying here. I have. Yeah, been trying no, to I thought be, it was brilliant. I just sat, but, just listening to the introduction. I was just like. The things you've had to think about to mm. try and cover and make sure it's very clear, like your agenda in a way, is to yeah. say this is what I'm trying to get across. Yeah, no, I, I thought, wow, what an introduction. I thought it, it must have a lot of thought must have gone into that. Yeah, that, I think that was the last thing I wrote, apart from, you know, like appendices and <laughs> yeah. Rec- yeah. corrections, obviously. <laughs> so many corrections. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you for your uh, contribution there, Candy. Um, yeah, definitely. I'm going to jump onto Mike. It's going to be quite quick because. I'm not gonna lie. I struggled on this one, and just, just I know, I know. There was a, a lot of I had a lot of people I, I wanted to choose in my head, so I just went with Dame Helen Lydia Mirren because I'm a big fan. I'm a really big fan, and the fact that she started from the West End, it, Shakespeare, love Shakespeare as well, and Prime Suspect's quite a big thing of my of my uh, formative mm. years. I adored Prime Suspect when I was too was young brilliant. to adore it. <laughs> so. <laughs> I didn't understand half of it. I just, do you know, it's when when you're young. Like, let's. I think I was uh, just bordering on teenage years when it when I was starting to watch it, and you don't understand it, but you will still appreciate really good work. That's what yeah. it was for me as a kid. I'm like, mm. the, she's she is brilliant. <laughs> and um, yeah. Now the thing is with with, with Helen Mirren, um, she has done some really bad films, but who hasn't? Do you know what I mean? But I was going to say, when you've had a career that long, you're going to do yeah. the old duffer. Yeah, cause... Just, just, just for your reference, Gadget, and Biggie, she does turn up in the Fast series. Oh, yes, she does. Oh, for God's sake. No, no I, I, I like her in Look, it. Oh, looking incredible. She's, she's amazing. Oh, yeah, she's she great, looks incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, I, what I do like, 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 she's, like I said, she started in the West End and she's worked her way up. She, um, the accolade, she's the only person to achieve the triple crown of acting in both the US and the UK. Now, if you don't know what that is, that's winning... Academy Award, a British Academy Film Award, and a Tony Award. That's just... That's, that's and an Emmy. And an Emmy, yeah. In the US, yeah. and just, uh, a BAFTA. Yeah, yeah. It's just wild, isn't it? It's like that, that, that. We've all seen The Queen. That is such a sensational film. Um, 
I've got a few. I've got a, a thing here. I've got Dean Hardscrabble in Monsters University. I love her in that. I don't know if you've seen that film. But I think she's, she's my favourite character in it. I know he sounds stupid. And unironically, I loved her as Hobson in Arthur. I didn't like Arthur that much, but I loved her in it. So the, the Arthur remake with yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Russell Brand. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I just think she's just such a powerhouse. Like, mm. I, I, you, you may have met her, Helen, yourself, but I have. If yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to talk to her. <laughs> I, <laughs> to I, me, I was, she is the queen. <laughs> I was extremely nervous. Yeah. Um, so I was doing a big interview with her for Empire. Um, and uh, so it was like an hour long sit down. Wow. I have never prepared so many questions in my life. And. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I had like ironed my shirt twice and yeah. polished my shoes three times and you name it, I was oh, wow. I was prepared. Um but yeah, she was she's delightful. She's she's absolutely lovely. I, I actually asked her about the the, the awards thing. Um mm. I spoke to her recently about The Duke, which is out now out next year. Yes. It's one of these COVID delayed films. It's delightful when that comes out. Really recommend it. <sighs> but um but I talked to her about that and I said, you know, you've you you just need a Grammy to complete the oh, got, wow, yes. the Emmy Grammy Oscar Tony. <laughs> And um, so, you know, how's that looking? And she goes, I just, I can't rap. (laughs) (laughs) I could could see her rapping. I could see her. There is a spoken word category, so I really think she's in with a shot there if she chooses. Let's not forget that Christopher Lee was in a metal band. Exactly. Let's never forget that. (laughs) A terrible metal band. Just get on like a fast soundtrack somewhere and just have exactly. it do, just do yeah. part of like oh a, God, a song. Yeah. I really do like her in the fast Hobbs uh, and yeah. Shaw as well. I think she's one of the strongest people on there. Oh God, such honestly, gadget. She's. I know you're not seeing it, but she's such a powerhouse in that so, as well. Everyone's scared of her. Where are you up to at the moment? We've where, just where we've watched five. Yeah, we've watched Fast Five. Oh, they did I like mean, it. They don't like these films. What? I How do you like Fast Five? Fast exactly. Five's incredible. It's, inc- it's the Shakespeare of our oh, time. It is. <laughs> it is. If you like podcasts, listen to our two oh, films. It's one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. It's yes. just, yes. It's just that's that's the so good. That's so. It's it's so far through stupid. It yeah. comes out the other side. <laughs> it wears its heart on its sleeve. It knows what it is, and it just gets even crazier. Trust me. I'll tell you why, why we don't why do, like it. Why do policemen sure keep committing gadget. crimes? Yeah, because, and this because is he gets because his man. Yeah, the main characters are rubbish. It's about family, if it was delivered with somebody else, I think they probably family. would enjoy it. What you got to do is like you've what the the fun, especially from Fast Five on, is trying to figure out who's taking it seriously and who yes. absolutely isn't. <laughs> like, like at one end of the spectrum, like Vin Diesel's super serious. Oh, to like, women, it's his it's like, his Citizen Kane, isn't it? He's, oh, it's absolutely. Is and then the other family. end, like you've The Rock and Tyrese. Yeah, having a good time. Just, like, Absolutely having a laugh. It's amazing. I, I just, it's poetry. It's, it's it whoever writes these scripts. It's the the, the bit that just keeps sticking Genius. out to me from from Fast Five is is the, is the first scene with The Rock um, when he's <laughs> yeah. uh, he's giving orders to people. And he's talking to people, and and some guy comes up to him. And he says, "I've got good news and bad news." He says, "Well, everyone knows I like to eat dessert first. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, "And now give me the veggies." <laughs> Amazing. I love that. I love that. Absolutely amazing. Wait till you see yeah. Helen Mirren, though. Honestly, she steals oh. the show. Also, if you're wondering who wrote the, those movies, I think it was Chris Morgan. I think he's written you're maybe right. not all, but most. But I really recommend The Onion oh. uh, interviews Chris Morgan in inverted commas oh, right. about Fast Five. Right. Okay. Um, just just Google Onion Chris Morgan Fast Five. <laughs> yeah, it's got, yeah. it's it's a piece of art in itself. Um, but not as good as Fast Five, which is as we said. Poetry. It is like you said. It's Shakespeare of our time. It's, it's it is the I, I think I, I, I know I'm, I'm a big Fast Eight fan. I don't know why. 
I just uh, fast seven fast or five. If but five is five is my number one, and close behind is number seven, and oh then there's a God. bit of a gap. Yeah, everything else. yeah, yeah. Maybe don't listen to our podcast. Yeah, they, they don't like any of them. They don't I like had to edit, it and I'm just like, oh, like they're just tearing apart stuff that I like here. It's so good. But yeah, I tell you what, oodles. What? Going back to Prime Suspect. Sorry, yes. I watched Sorry. that a couple of years ago, and um, again. And uh, it's incredible. And again, it it, ref- it shows in the workplace the struggle that yep. um, her character had with sexism, yeah. male-dominated area, and and how she got treated um, as a almost like a subplot. But then it, it started to rear its head a lot more as the seasons went on. Prime Suspect, yeah, so it, good, incredible series. So I, I, I believe that I, I'm not sure if I've seen it in many. I think there's a big Blu-ray box set of it. And I want it. I caught it on Netflix. It was on there oh, still. Is it? Oh, right. It was when I watched it a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. If you've not watched it, especially if you're a listener and you're young, watch Prime Suspect. It holds up, kind of. Yes. Kind of. Kind of. The usual caveat supply. Yeah. They, they, some of them drive ladders and stuff like that, and the hair's worse than mine. Uh, but other than that, yeah. But uh, um, yeah, I just wanted to. Just, I, just like, I just like Helen Mirren, and I just wanted to say her name on a podcast. Um I just think she's incredible, and long may she reign as the queen mm-hmm. of as the queen of Hollywood. Now, when I th- when I do think of Helen Miller- Mirren, I think of that awful interview with uh, Parkinson. Do you remember that <gasps> oh, one? Yes. Yes. Oh yes, completely sexist the whole way. He essentially introduced her as a slut. Yep, um, like what? giving her an intro- oh, yeah, it's, her it's introduction. Yeah, absolutely vile. And, um, you know, to begin with, the audience were kind of playing along to him. You know, they were tittering at all these remarks. You know, he was trying to belittle her and trying to get a rise out of her. Yeah, and, I never you understood know. why. She she just seems so lovely. Well, she's she's a beautiful woman. And yeah, you know, well, when she, she is, was yeah. younger, she, she, still she is. wasn't <laughs> afraid of um, she wasn't afraid of nudity or anything. Yes. But, you know, when she starts talking and once you hear how intelligent she is and how well spoken and she just had the audience captivated and every time that Parkinson tried to make a comment you know there was just nothing like people yeah. just listening to her because she just had complete command of, of the whole room yeah, ex- yeah. exactly I, I, I just I just think she's incredible and I am a big Helen Moon stan big style big style and yeah so we'll move on to Stig okay I'm going to cheat slightly uh oh Oh, um, so I've gone for European cinema. Oh, we said, oh. we said Hollywood. Totally fine. <laughs> Go on, I had to right. love. Uh, you're, I'll have to. Uh, sorry about the pronunciation. Um, <laughs> you might have to help me out with this one. Celine Sciamma. Sorry, can I say a second. Sciamma, I think. Sciamma. Yeah. So she's a French screenwriter and film director. Uh, probably most known now for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. But before that, she directed three of the feature-length films, as well as being a writer on other films like Being 17 and My Life as a Courgette. Um, she's a common theme with her films is fluidity and gender uh, of gender and uh, sexual identity among girls and women. So she said, obviously, as a gay woman in her 40s, she grew up without the internet and a serious lack of media that focused on LGBTQ stories uh, that she couldn't find stuff that she could relate to so she's created her own and her work's brilliant i I think it's um she's a proper gifted author and um she kind of films enough sparse dialogue but the tender and empathetic and her directorial debut was a story she wrote when she was in film school kind of mirrored mirrored aspects of her life as a teenager 
So it's a 2007 film called Water Lilies. I'm, I'm probably just going to go through her films here because she's only directed four films with a fifth film coming out uh, later this year. Uh, so Water Lilies is a coming-of-age film that tells the story of a teenage girl who falls in love with one of the girls in a local synchronised swimming team. And it kind of deals with the relationship she also has with her best friend who has this infatuation with one of the boys from the swimming team. So there's a lot of awkwardness, teenage crush kind of stuff going on. Um, but Shama uh, and the two leads, they capture the like uncertainty of teenage sexuality with sympathetic eye in this delicate drama. And it's just, it's, it's really good. I don't know, like <laughs> her films are like, they're not aimed at me at all. Like, but I can appreciate just how good uh, the writing is and how good the direction is and stuff. And so a follow-up film, uh, Tomboy is a film about gender identity. It's a French, these are all French films. Um, and it's about two daughters, 10-year-old, uh, Laurie and six-year-old Jean. Yeah. We'll accept who, it. <laughs> yeah. Who then moved to a neighbourhood during the summer holidays uh, with her tomboy ways. Laurie is immediately mistaken for a boy by the local kids and passes herself off as Michael. Uh, this is the one I haven't seen. I wanted to try and get this watched before today, but I just didn't have time. I was hoping to watch it today, but after kind of the last few days in London, big, big London really, trip. Yeah, I wasn't really uh, <laughs> feeling up for it, unfortunately. But if you go on Rotten Tomatoes and Letterbox and things like that, it's just there's just positive opinions and uh, about the film. Um, it's described as brisk, precisely observed, bristly, non-preachy in its examination of a very tricky subject. Um, but this next one, uh, Girlhood, I really, really enjoyed this. I thought this was a brilliant film. Uh, so again, this is a coming-of-age drama like the others, and this is centred around a young black teenager from a poor Paris suburb. Um, oppressed by a family, setting uh, dead-end school prospects and boys' law in the neighbourhood, uh, Mariem starts a new life after meeting a group of three free-spirited girls. Uh, she changes her name, address code, and quits school in an attempt uh, to be accepted by the gang. Um, but yeah, this one, again, it's a she's just got this brilliant way of telling these stories. Um, you know, this story is centred around the black neighbourhood and all the characters are black. And despite uh, Siama's race and she describes herself as middle class, she has a finger on the pulse with these films. Like, I, like sh- these aren't kind of her background with this, this film isn't anywhere, but she just does a brilliant job of, of just uh, telling yeah. the stories. Yeah. Yeah. Like outside of the storytelling as well, you can see in this film as well how much she's grown as a filmmaker, I think. So from like her first film to this, uh, specifically the way characters are framed and the cinematography, there's a scene with um, the girls in the hotel room and it plays out like a music video to Rihanna's Diamonds. Uh, that plays in the background and it's like full of energy. I and... like that song as well. <laughs> yeah, mm. but like it plays from, I think the whole song plays. Mm. And it seems odd to, to put what is essentially a little bit like a music video in the story, yeah. but it really works because it's it's kind of the moment where she bonds with the other girls. And I also really like the fact that um, the casting of this film, they actually scouted people from the streets of Paris to like make it more authentic. I think they're similar with the film Rocks did something recently with Bucky Bakri, mm. 
rather than going to like stage actors yeah. and people with more acting, they, and scruffing they went, them they, up. Yeah, they went directly to like the kind of the source and yeah, yeah get a, did, mo- yeah. a more authentic, uh, well, more authentic uh, performance and yeah. stuff. And then there's portrait of a lady on fire, which you've you've Stunning. waxed lyrical about this yeah. is mm. on this podcast. Incredible! It's yeah. a masterpiece. Mm. Uh, it's my favorite film of last year. Yeah. Uh, knocked Hamilton off the top spot, unfortunately. <laughs> for and you've seen Hamilton how many times? That's fair. Uh, six or seven. <laughs> <laughs> That's your fault, Helen. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. It's incredible. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I will actually say that time I interviewed um, Helen Mirren for all that time. Mm. So I had to fly to New York to interview her. And that's when I went and saw Hamilton. Oh, wow. So I have Helen Mirren to thank for getting to see the original cast. Wow. You got to see see the original cast as well. I'm waiting until um, I can get down to London to go see it at the... Um, down in London, but yeah, I can I was... imagine you stood up dancing and singing along. <laughs> I know the soundtrack off by yeah, heart. Yeah, so like uh, my kids get really annoyed when I put it on. Yeah, Portrait Lady in Fire. Like again, I think her, her skills as a, a filmmaker just go through the roof with this one. Mm. Um, I watched an interview with her, and she talked about how she couldn't decide on whether she wanted to go digital or use film. And they went digital in the end, and she said it was the, the correct decision. And I couldn't agree more because every frame in this film is just stunning. Like I said, I talked about this film about this time last year, was it? Yeah, roughly. Yeah, right. You got me to watch um, it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. And it just there's so many shots in this film that look like paintings. <laughs> like oh, most yeah. of the film's about, uh, well, it's not all about the painting and stuff, but that's one of the aspects. And that's kind of how she's made the film look as well. Mm. And you obviously talked about how so many films are done from the male gaze and she's this film obviously completely flips that yeah. to do it from the female for it um, i think it's a gaze. refreshing film as well it's just oh it's gorgeous yeah, yeah. Oh. um yeah everyone needs to i could go on forever about this film to be honest so i don't want to take up you've done that before <laughs> yeah everyone needs to watch this film oh, it's i agree, I agree. intense so good. Yeah. beautiful and that last five minutes yeah it's kind of left me breathless really yeah. like the, the ending when it was going on, I was like, this seems to be dragging out a bit. And then it when makes it actually, sense. Yeah, mm. as it goes on, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. And then right at the end, you're just like, yeah, get up. Get just it. kicks it in the gut. It's <laughs> yeah. amazing, yeah. And I it, will say, I saw Petite Maman, her, her new one recently, and it's like 75 minutes long. It's practically a TV show, and it's superb. It's absolutely oh, beautiful. Um, yeah, couldn't be lovelier. Yeah, I mean, it was actually Terry White that because she uh, she was praising Portrait of oh, yeah. Fires so much, and I was just like, I'm gonna have to watch this. I think Mark Wood <laughs> as well had praised it a lot, and I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna have to watch this. And eventually, when I watched it, I was like, it's so good. Like, I love getting I these word word, um, word of mouth little like films mm. that you just you just wouldn't think, and then you you're like, oh, when you watch it, it's like mouth agape. I can't believe I wouldn't have like I wouldn't have watched Portrait of a Girl on Fire ever. It's just not my but Stig just. Be, 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 be. It worked. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> so, yeah, I think yeah, brilliant. I, just, I think she. I think she's uh, brilliant, and like I said, I think she's growing better as she's gone on, like with each film. Um, I'm looking forward to actually getting to see Tomboy when I can. Um, mm. But um, I will say as well with her writing, um, I'm not sure how much she was involved with My Life as a Cause yet, but um, that's a brilliant film. Really, really enjoyed. That's all about. Um, identity as a self-identity and things like that as well. It's, uh, it, 
it's not for a film called My Life as a Cause yet. You think <laughs> it's going to be some kind of whimsical show, but it's not. There's a lot of stuff in there about uh, drinking and I think suicide and things like wow. that. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really great film. Uh, but yeah, just want to say one last thing on her. Like I said, none of these films are characters I really identify with, but the sheer like heartfelt and beautiful nature of her films is what it makes what stands out to me. And mm. I found She's this done her job then, isn't yeah. she? Yes, yeah, exactly. I found this review on Letterbox, which I think sums up, which I'm going to read. Uh, this is about girlhood, and she's this uh, person says. I'm a black girl, I'm French, I'm from a poor neighbourhood. I never felt as happy to be this girl as when I watched this film. Seeing people that looked like my friends liked me on the big screen as heroines. Seeing friendship, love, and most importantly, young uh, youth through the faces of black girls. That's something I'll never forget. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, you love, I think, love it. Uh, yeah, yeah, if she's making people feel like that, and as well as being able to entertain a white yeah. uh, 30 year old then <laughs> well 35 year old she's just hitting every nail yeah. perfectly like and i think i just can't wait to see more of her stuff i think i think uh, it can only get better really can't it mm. yeah absolutely brilliant thank you for Amazing. that steak we're going to jump on to biggie because i'm conscious of time <sighs> <laughs> yeah i mean again something similar um i was torn between two and uh, for our honourable mentions, I'll obviously talk about the one yeah. I didn't choose. So I am going to choose, again, Tony Collette. Oh, yeah, um, there we go. She, for Helen, in case you weren't aware, we did mm. our own awards called the Biggies. <laughs> All right, um, very good. And we, we, we got to choose who we thought deserved that was obviously either nominated, didn't win, never got a nomination, etc. And, and I did choose um, Tony you then. Did. For Hereditary? Um, yeah. Oh, yes, generally? definitely Just in general as well. Uh, right, but, okay. But again, I will, I'll cover what I think uh, personally for me, what I've, I've liked about her work. Can we just quickly um, roll back Portrait of Lady on Fire? Oh, sorry. Deserve sorry, more yeah. award recognition. Uh, yeah. So I'm going yes. to give a biggie to that film. Yeah, you can give biggies whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Even though the ceremony is recorded, you can give them out all year. It's like an matter. achievement that pops up at the top of the screen. Yeah. Awarded a biggie. <laughs> you can have a biggie. Well, you can't have one. You've got to earn one. Quite <laughs> yeah, right. Very true. Yeah, I mean, um, for those who don't actually know much about Tony Collette, she is actually Australian. Um, and um, apart from her work in television, independent films, she um, has basically received lots of accolades throughout her career, including Golden Globe Awards, Primetime Emmy Awards, Academy Awards, Tony Awards, and two British Academy Film Awards. Her breakout role was, of course, in Muriel's Wedding. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, she got a Golden Globe nomination for that. But... Um, Apart from the success that did come with that, she really hit the spotlight with, of course, the Sixth Sense. Yeah, that's what that's where mm-hmm. I think I first saw her. I, I was the same, mm-hmm. um, and she got nominated for a Academy Award for Best Supporting yeah. Actress for that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, apart from everybody else in that movie, because let's face it, um, Haley Joel Osment was fantastic in that. Even Bruce Willis delivered. Bruce a pretty Willis good was Bruce Willis in that. <laughs> but, yeah, but in a good uh, way. Yeah, in a good good yeah. Bruce. Good Bruce. There is good and bad. And he's Bruce. interested. Yeah. Yeah, when he turns up. He wasn't stuck trying to jump off a building room. But um, for me, her performance as the single mum, Lynn, throughout that movie, because her scenes are sort of just here and there. She's she's sort of, it's not always focused on her at all. But every scene she's in, she's fantastic. And she plays um, the single mum, desperately trying to support her little boy, Cole, um, who to her appears to be struggling, struggling socially. 
with the other kids and trying to understand why he's so different and also disturbed, I guess, um, from her eyes. She nails that guilt and frustration every scene. And, of course, the final emotional scene in the car between Lynn oh, and Carl. God, yeah. Mm. Um, as he explains that he has actually seen her mum and not only did, he, did her mum see that dance recital um, mm. that she performed that day but heard the question she starts crying and, and stuff gave an answer yeah. mm. just gets me every time even though I've seen this film so many times and mm. it's brilliant but just her reaction to Cole um, it's just incredible and what I love about Tony Collette I'm going to come to Hereditary again is that when she performs I forget it's Tony Collette yeah for me, for an actor to make you forget who they are and that you fall for the character they're playing is them doing their That's job. That's the ultimate thing you can say, though, isn't it? If I don't realise exactly. it's I, you. I think she delivers it every time. Well, she always comes across so warm and happy in interviews and stuff. I have been yeah. known to accidentally say in a podcast before that she's got a uh, painful face when I meant a pain's face. <laughs> <laughs> pain's very, very well. Yeah, there is a big difference. <laughs> Very, very she, she absolutely does not have a painful face. She has a, but she can do a really pained expression, mm, and yes. the the contrast between that and seeing her being interviewed, and you really do sort of see what what an incredible actress she is. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, yeah, Hereditary for me is one of the great performances of the last decade. Oh, I think it's one I mean, of the best horror stunning. films ever made. Yeah, also that. it is for me. A lot of people don't like the ending, but uh, I I was oh, all over it, all over it. Yeah, I've only watched it for recently me. as well, so I'm just oh my god, I am, I am new to Hereditary, but yeah, I get it. I get the praise. I get it. <laughs> and, and for me, um, because in Hereditary, it's an uncomfortable study of grief and loss as well. It is. How it impacts on all members of her family as well. And I know it has that creepy supernatural force um, that sort of engulfs the family. But um, having experienced a sudden loss in my family as well, when my niece was killed in a car crash, the various stages of grief were so oh, yeah. incredibly portrayed throughout this movie. Um, as the days go on and it's portrayed how the different stages of how it impacts on her. And yeah, I mean, I think I read an interview on her where she was doing like 14 takes for some of the scenes. I mean, can you imagine delivering that, that sort emotion, of emotion yeah. time mm-hmm. and time again, trying to obviously for the director to nail it. Um, wow. Big fan of Ari Aster. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, um, the change of pace as the movie goes along and delivers that terrifying climax. Um, Again, I've waxed lyrical enough about Tony Collette. Um, but she's done a lot of other stuff as well. Period comedies, dramas. Um, she was on Broadway. Um, I'm currently watching her in a TV series, which I didn't even realise she was in. Uh, I missed this one called Unbelievable, um, which is um, a true story based on um, a serial rapist. She plays a detective of all things. But again, she's playing the role fantastically. Um, you really believe that she's got this sort of history about her being a detective, although you know nothing about her when you meet her in this show. Um, it's just, yeah, I'm just such a fan. Um, and I, I just feel like, I don't believe she's had the Oscar yet, and I feel like it should come her way. Mm. Well, uh, she's she's got she a biggie, at least. Really it's bigger, isn't it? It's a better award. <laughs> <It's now. laughs> it's a better award. Excellent. Thank you, sir, for that. We're going to jump to Helen now. Yeah. I was trying to um, sort of bound somebody. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was trying to bound somebody who had done good work, but also kind of made social change. Yeah, right. Yes, so, absolutely. so I'm going to go. I'm going to be very predictable and go for Ava DuVernay, who I think gets talked about a lot, but 
rightly so. So um, she decided to, she wanted to get into making films and realised how difficult it was going to be, not just as a woman, but as a black woman. Yeah. And so started off with documentaries. And I, this is something that quite a few of the female directors I spoke to started off that way because there's no one to tell you no because the budgets are so small. So you can kind of get in without going through those gatekeepers. Mm. So... Um, Duvernay had some success with her documentary. She then got the chance to make Selma. She knocked so it out good. of the park. So good. Um, Best Picture nomination. I think she was the first African-American woman to be Golden Globe nominated. Um, and uh, and then, kind of, but she didn't get the Oscar nomination. And I think that is kind of significant. I think there is still this mm. tendency to sometimes award the film and not the director if the film mm. is made by a lady or is about ladies. Um, so, uh, she, She's kept going and um, it seemed to kind of vanish from films for a little bit. It seemed like there wasn't that big follow up that you might expect after Selma. Did she do a show? She did. She did. Well, this is, yeah, this is what I'm going to get to. But she did have some meetings with Marvel first, oh. uh, for example. And I think she was in line to do either Black Panther or Captain Marvel. I'm not sure which. Oh. Um, I would like to say she was in line for like Thor 3 or something unconnected to her identity, but yeah. realistically, it was probably one of the yeah, other two. Yeah, let's be real. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, she um, she then became, I think, the, the the female director who'd had the biggest budget ever when she made A Wrinkle in Time, which wasn't hugely successful. That didn't matter so much because she had, as you say, yes, gone back to documentaries and made The 13th, which is a stunning and horrifying film about the uh, Afri- uh, about the, the legal system, basically, in the US and the, the rates of incarceration for black men in particular, mm. but black people in general. Um, and, uh, and also When They See Us, which is one of the most devastating dramas of the past few years, um, that fil- that drama is genuinely like a gut punch. It's it's absolutely astonishing. If people haven't seen it yet, yes, yeah, I know it does take it takes could, a little bit of a run up because it's so I know, horrible. But it's, only, <laughs> it's so horrible, but it's only four episodes, yeah. so you can, mm. like it, you, you know you can kind of par through it. But yeah, <sighs> it does take a little bit of a run up, and it and it kind of. It's one of these things where you're like, if these people went through this, I can make it through watching it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? yeah, no, I know there so, is that. I, um, yeah, I, I should so continue yeah, so that's, with it. So, so her activism in her work has, I think, been really important, but her act- activism behind the scenes has been enormously, enormously important and I think is going to have real effects on Hollywood going forward because she produced Queen Sugar for the uh, for Oprah's network yep. and she has made it a point to get in female directors, to get in women of colour, to open the doors to people who were not getting opportunities and then they have some stuff on their CV that they can then build on and use to get more stuff, that they have that calling card, they have that professional work. Mm. So that it's been really important and she's followed that up with just endless uh, initiatives and and moves to kind of improve representation particularly recently array which is uh it's basically a database of crew members who are not straight white cis able-bodied <laughs> straight men um so it's it's uh, if if people are if there are producers out there who are saying well I would love to get a more equal crew but I just don't know where to find them <laughs> they, they, this, is, no excuses. this is the answer there's no excuse and I have to say like, she's not the only person doing this there's actually a British actress called Victoria Emsley who set up a thing called Primetime which does the same thing for women here in well it's actually around the world but she started it here in the UK um, so this is not the you know this is not the only one of these happening but it's so important and it's not just women of course in Ava's case it's all people of colour so it's just yeah she's just doing the work and changing the situation and I think that's something that we've begun to see not just from her but she's a really good example of it but we've begun to see in the past few years 
where women were encouraged, and, and I think all minorities, but w- women in particular, were encouraged to think of each other as competition in Hollywood for the last hundred years because there really were only three decent roles a year. So if Meg Ryan got it, then Julia Roberts was out of luck, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, and and it has been a competition because there have been so few opportunities. And I think that is what's changing. And you're now getting people like Ava who are lifting other women up and making that really core to everything that they do. Um, and and that's what I hope is going to change the picture going forward. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm. I, I, I'm going to continue <laughs> with... Um... What? When they see us, yeah. I know when it's they one see of those us, titles as well. I, I, I always thought it was when, when they don't see us, but yeah, it's when they see us. Yeah, mm. I want to continue with that because, like you said, if they've come through it, I could at least appreciate and watch it. It's it's important to watch yeah. as well, isn't yeah. it? Things like that. You know, it's it's not a pleasant watch, but struggle it's, though. If it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I don't mean yeah. bad struggle as in it's it's where no. it's badly made. It's just, yeah, it's it, there's something very harrowing about. Um, any denial of justice yeah. movies, I find, and and this may be my particular background as a Northern Irish Catholic, mm. but like the, they are, there's something very, it it shakes your faith in you know right and wrong. Yeah. You feel like okay, you know, well, yes, they're in prison, but they're a bad person, and it's mm. it's not that simple for oh, for no. many many people, and um and yeah, I think it's really important to point that out. So excellent, brilliant pick, gadget, follow that. Um, well, I <laughs> I struggle with this not so, not so much in terms of actually picking some, but actually narrowing it down. Because yeah, that's, the, that's what was, my issue there, was. was. A, yeah, there, there, there was a few that kind of sprung to mind. Um, and uh, I mean, I mean, one one I'll say that would go into the um, into the honourable mentions in the Patreon bit, but it's just because she's incredible, and you need and you need to look her up. Which is um, Wendy Carlos, who um, did the soundtrack for Tron and The Shining. Yeah. Um, and also happened to be a trans woman in the 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. and she's incredible. Yeah. But the one I'm actually going to talk about in detail um, is inspired by uh, Helen's book, um, because she reminded me of this woman's existence, uh, Mae West. Mae West. Mae West. One of the <laughs> legends of, of the old-timey cinema when people talk like this. Uh, <laughs> when the world was well, black she and did white. Romance. <laughs> she did romance, Cary Grant, and all on screen. So. Really? Yes. That's the first oh, yeah. time I've understood what you said, Gadget. How <laughs> <laughs> dare you! Um, but uh, yeah, so so Mae West was a, a was a, a classically trained stage actor, Broadway actor, and then moved into cinema. Not at the beginning of cinema; it, it was actually quite late into the creation of it, around about the time that you know morality clauses were a thing and the censorships were a thing. So somewhere in the nineteen thirties, I think it was a she joined nineteen thirty two. There it was. Um, Oddly and oddly enough, her first film she released when she was forty, which was wow. Um, wow. quite strange because obviously you know you would expect young starlets coming to Hollywood, mm. um, but no, she she was quite a successful Broadway actor. Um, she might have had the filthiest mouth in film at the time, <laughs> really, um, <laughs> and took great pleasure in pissing off the censors to mm-hmm. no <laughs> no degree. She is quite notable for the fact that for all the roles that she got, she managed to rewrite all of her dialogue to suit her own humor and suit like still giving the message that the original original intention was to write but putting her own jokes in and putting her own double entendres and everything and every line that she delivered was dripping in double entendres (laughs) um and i'll I'll go through some quotes in a bit but it's mostly just the fact that she was an absolute badass in in this time when (laughs) women were really kind of restricted in what they could do through morality clauses. She didn't give a fuck. She dealt with the fine. She went to prison for eight days because she 
wrote a play on Broadway called Sex. Oh, yeah. Oh. She was arrested immediately as soon as the yeah, year curtain as, well, yeah. as well, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah. There's another it, one called Drag. She was also, I think she was also arrested for drag. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, ahead she, of her time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and she didn't care because all that controversy just added to ticket sales. You see, we may, I don't know much about her, but as soon as I see a picture of her, I know exactly who it is. She's, she's so oh, iconic. Yeah. Mm. Just sort of a, such a kind of bombastic oh, yeah. presence, isn't she? Mm. She's just yep. sort of what you, what you would describe as larger than life, I think. Very much mm. so. Yeah. She's, she's also kind of reasonably responsible for um, kind of Cary Grant's big break, as in, as in she, wow. she says, I need him in my movie now, kind of thing. <laughs> um, and she, well, who she, among us would not? So, well, I mean, come true. on. True. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, and she did quite a number of films with him. I believe it was like five or six films with him across the kind of the 1930s. Uh, at one point uh, in 1935, she was the highest paid woman and second highest paid person in the United States. Wow. Mm. The only person who was paid more than her was um, William Randolph Hearst. Oh, who right. was a <laughs> newspaper publisher and would be a billionaire by today's standards. Yeah. <laughs> Old money. Yeah. No, not a bad position to be in for Mayor West, to be fair. Not at all. That's, that's proper power, that. Do you know what? I, I made a note uh, from your book, Helen, um, that some people thought were so concerned by her that they, they said that they needed to watch her like they watched Hitler or something like that. Mm. Yes, the, yeah. that was the censors. Wow. Yeah, like they considered... thought she was a bigger threat than Hitler. That much yeah. influence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Crazy. I think they misjudged yeah. Hitler there, didn't they? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think ultimately, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, she she just, she was absolutely effervescent on screen and she was Mm. such a huge draw for cinema across the 1930s. Like her film career lasted, what, maybe 10, 15 years or something like that before she she decided she'd had enough of it and went back to Holly, uh, went back to Broadway and like Mm. to the stage where kind of her real passions lay. But yeah, she became one of the wealthiest people in the world. She... (laughs) She was one of the most influential voices out there, and she was a huge draw. Yeah. She also, um, uh, it was one of her films. Uh, I'm trying to find it. Find it here. I've got so many notes on her um, that I've lost where it was. Oh yeah, the, uh, the she done him wrong in 1933. She done him wrong. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. saved Paramount because Paramount was on the verge of bankruptcy. Wow. And to, to, there is a building on the lot named after Mae West now. Good. In gratitude for that. But yeah, that grossed over $2 million uh, in 1933, which is the equivalent of $140 million-ish <laughs> today. Wow. But uh, yes, yeah, some, of, some of her greatest quotes, and like I say, she wrote all these herself. These weren't screenwriters giving it to her. Um, uh, so uh, yeah, I've got to list them here. It's not the men in my life that count, it's the life in my men. <laughs> a, a hard man is good to find. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rather a good man is hard to find. A hard yeah. man is good to find. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I like that. I'll try. Okay. I'll try anything once, twice if I like it, three times to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've said on this podcast I'll try anything twice. I wonder if I, I wonder if I'm channeling <laughs> Mayo West. <laughs> when choosing between two evils, I always like to try the one I've never tried before. Oh, yes. <laughs> I know that one. Um, too much of a good thing can be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and Is, Isn't there one like, uh, goodness, how did you get these furs? Goodness had nothing to do with it. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I like that. Uh, you only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough. Once is enough, yeah. Mm. Uh, and, and my absolute favourite one, and this, uh, th- this, one, this one's been quoted endlessly, like, uh, if you watch RuPaul's Drag Race, um, one of the drag queens played uh, Mae West, and this was like the killer line that came out. It says, 
When I'm good, I'm very good. But when I'm bad, I'm better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the famous one, isn't That's it? Classic. Yeah. One what an absolute queen. She's, uh, why don't you come up sometime and see me? Yeah, and she, uh, I think she also coined a... Um, is that a, a gun in your pocket? Yeah, is, is that a gun in your pocket? Are you really? happy to see me? Are you just oh. pleased to see pleased me? To see me. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Brilliant. Uh, uh, amazing, uh, amazing writer. Yeah, and uh, I, I used to be Snow White, but I drifted. I drifted. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's an absolute legend, and she doesn't get recognised enough in kind of Bond society. She, she's... Because it was the 1930s, 1940s, the films are kind of uh, the only people who really talk about her are like real film buffs and like people who are really interested in classic cinema. She doesn't get brought up enough in kind of modern conversation. Mm. Uh, but she was absolutely brilliant. And just, if you watch any clips of her, even just go on YouTube and watch clips of her films, you just, your eye is constantly drawn to her. Even in the days of black and white, she she just had this mm. like personality that just drew drew all the attention towards it. Didn't matter who she was acting against. I mean, Cary Grant's incredible, yeah. but no one gives a yeah. shit about Cary Grant when mm. Mae West is on screen. No, she was amazing, and and she lived the life off screen. She had uh, lots of boxer boyfriends, gangster boyfriends. Yeah, she uh, knew she how to live. Monkey. She had a pet monkey who apparently ran off with some of her diamonds at one point. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe right. Just I mean, she just that. managed all of her own publicity as well. You know, she just like she would come up with these stories when everything anything got boring. Yeah, absolutely. I guess that's that's the problem with streaming services is that they're not interested in classic cinema no. like that. So you're having to rely on just general TV, aren't you, to mm. see any sort of reruns of classic movies because they're just not going to. have... Are you interested in that? Aren't well, I wonder I'm if sorry, a lot of it hasn't been digitized. I you were going to say the problem with streaming services is there are not enough monkeys. Sorry, can I interrupt it? <laughs> no, I was just saying I wonder if a part of that problem is that a lot of the classics haven't been digitized. Mm. So it's just not even oh, possible to watch yeah. it. There is that, yeah. Mm. Excellent, excellent pick anyway. So the, 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 the last, the last yeah. thing I'll say Go about Mia West is, um, and, and this is just a thing, I didn't even know about this because it wasn't in Helen's book, but it was um, it, on, the, on her Wikipedia page. Oh. Um, she, uh, she appeared in sketches on, on, a, on a radio show, which was the Ventriloquist Edgar Bergen's radio show. I don't know how ventriloquism works on the radio, mind you. Yeah, you've got to um, oh, he was a big disbelief. star at that point. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was a really big star. He's in yeah. some of the Disney animation of the time. Oh, wow. So the... Um, yeah, so so it, so in the interview, she so she was going there to promote the film called Every Day Is a Holiday, um, and it says here. I'm just going to read this verbatim because it. it's just it's a, it's an incredible set of words in the order that they come in. Appearing as herself, West flirted with Charlie McCarthy, Bergen's dummy, using her usual brand of wit and risque sexual references. West referred to Charlie as all wood and a yard long, huh. and <laughs> and commented, "Charles, I remember our last date, and I have the splinters to prove it." Oh. <laughs> West was on the verge of being banned from radio for that. <laughs> That's bad now. Never mind then. <laughs> and it just it just typifies her approach to life and self promotion. Yeah. Oh, what a badass. <laughs> she she did get in a little bit of trouble for that one. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. The FCC de- deemed the broadcast vulgar and indecent, and far below even the minimum standard for which should control the selection and production of broadcast programs. <laughs> Apparently, excellent, <laughs> brilliant. Thank you very much, all one and all, and especially May West. Um, <laughs> what we're going to do now? We're going to see if we've got any correspondence from our listeners and see who they've chosen. Oh, people have absolutely loved it this week. There's loads of them. Yes. Um, so I'm going to rattle through them as quick as I can. Uh, Adam Galitely has said the first two that spring to mind for me are Carrie Fisher, simply because I grew up Amazing. watching and loving Star Wars, yep. and then that. Sandra Bullock, who appears to have covered all genres over the last thirty or so years. And yeah, let's not forget Speed Two. <laughs> no, let's, let's forget yeah. Speed Two. Oh, we know. 
Charlie Richwell has given me a name I can't pronounce. Uh, Julia DeCorno. DeCorno. DeCorno, yeah. thank you. Uh, is everything that is great about cinema. I haven't seen uh, Titan yet, but Raw was the perfect example of blending genres effortlessly. Uh, and he says, coming of age slash outsider at school slash cannibal film. What? That's, well, yeah. that's a nice um, <laughs> juxtaposition of things, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, he also goes on to say, Jennifer Kent has provided two effortless films oh, with deep amazing. meaning. One, a portrait of grief in a home. The other, a brutal but meaningful film of revenge, loss and power. Yeah. Just yeah, these- she's incredible. Yeah. Have you seen okay. Titan yet, Helen? I have not seen Titan yet. Titan, I am uh, Titan, I believe. I believe. <laughs> um, no, I, annoyingly, uh, I was in Cannes, but not for the right week. I was only there for a few days, and I have not been able to go to all of the London Film Festival, and I've missed it here too. So it's very frustrating. I feel like a very bad film journalist for not seeing it yet. <laughs> you can't see them Where'd all. You get all the time to watch it. Uh, I just, I, I know, I just feel bad. I'm not, not saying enough. Oh, you can't see them all. Uh, <laughs> Dominic Skelton is agreeing with uh, an, uh, another one from your book, um, Helen. Uh, Lynn Ramsey is shockingly underappreciated. Oh, I'm convinced you were never really here. Would have had a hatful of awards if a more fashionable, probably male director had made it. Hundred percent. That is the award that Joaquin Phoenix should have got. Yes, so good. Not it's, the it's, other it's one incredible. that I won't mention. Not the other one. It's incredible. <laughs> Everything about that film is fantastic. It is. It's, it's yeah. oh, spellbinding. Brilliant. Just, just a slight size that. It's very funny that, um, that, that uh, Joachim Phoenix made two very similar films with the same mm. kind of subject matter in mm. a row. He's really good. Yeah. <laughs> but one is really good yeah. and the other one is Joker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, John Shepard says uh, at the moment Florence Pugh is owning every film oh, she's in mm. that girl is an Oscar winner in the making yeah, yeah. yeah. Midsummer, Midsummer. Yeah, <laughs> Midsummer. Yeah, Midsummer. I mean, great Fighting with my she, family that's a good one she made me like Amy in Little Women I have spent my entire life not liking Amy in Little Women <laughs> so <laughs> that was a that was a bit of a, yeah, that's a great, although, although a great I did, adaptation I did have to as well. suspend my dis- yeah it's a brilliant film that suspend my disbelief uh, just a bit that I didn't realise that she was playing like a 10 or 11 14, year old? Yeah. 14 years old. 14, yeah. yeah I didn't realise yeah. that at first until like after yeah. the film and I'd read up about it. I was yeah. like, oh. Like, but yeah, she was, the film's brilliant. That's incredible. Like, uh, yeah. John goes on to say both Prano Bailey Bond and Rose Glass mm. have had stunning horror debuts recently with Sensor and St. Maud. Yeah. And also Naya da Costa has mm. recently been successful with Candyman. Horror feels totally different coming from a female perspective, often giving their characters much more feeling and depth but making the inevitable horror more frightening because of the investment we put into the people on screen. I still haven't seen mm. Candyman. Still haven't seen uh, it. It's, it's pretty fascinating, I think. It's really... I don't love it as much as St. Maud and Censor, both of which I just just blew my mind, yeah. but I would agree. I think it's a really exciting time for horror. The, the, the dirty secret of horror is that women have always been a very big part of horror audiences. Mm. Like Something like 60% of horror audiences are female. Yeah. And you wouldn't really know it from the, the advertising, the way horror is talked about. But women love horror, and I think that that generation maybe is beginning to come up and then now make films, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, and, and you know, those ones we've talked about, Jennifer Kent, uh, Prana Bailey Bond, and, and Rose Glass are just doing such incredible work, <laughs> and it's, it's, really, it's a really good time. Well, I think horror stagnated after Hostel, really. The, yeah. That sort of, it was all gore no. and nothing mm-hmm. else. Yeah. 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 I don't, I, yeah. I've got quite a, um, a, a low threshold for gore. I'm not really that into mm. it. I, I get a bit nauseous with it. So It's not scary, is it? It's, it's just, just, it's just it's gross. Just, You're not it's frightened. Just a grind. Yeah. 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 I think Midsummer so was the one for me. Films, though, yeah. Since we've been 
be my wife. Does she love she absolutely, <laughs> absolutely loves horror films. It's just like, and and to the point where sometimes it's just like, have you got like, do you know if there's any like really shit horror films out on Netflix or Amazon? Oh, yeah, Killer Clowns from Outer like, Space. <laughs> I'm just like, I'll I'm give like, you a list. I'm like, oh, this film Censor's meant to be really good. Should we watch that? And and for whatever reason, she has to be in the right mood for those ones because otherwise, it's just no. I'd rather watch some Nightmare on Elm Street. I've seen so many yeah. bad ones. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not a big horror lover, but the, the the ones I have seen that I've really enjoyed have been ones where it's almost like the classic style of horror, like the kind of the misdirect horror is not necessarily gory or anything. Like, although to be fair, I think the last horror film I watched was The Woman in Black, the one with Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> oh yeah, that was yeah. scary. Yeah. That. that was genuinely yeah. scary. That was really. I liked that was it. really good because it was tension all the way through, and that's mm. the kind of horror I like. Helen, can you ask Gadget mm. to watch Seven? Yes, please? can you? <laughs> oh, I mean, I haven't gone back to it in years, but I mean, that blew my mind the first yeah, time I saw that. Yeah, I've never seen Seven. I'll tell you what's really impressive, and I don't know if it's, it's probably still out there on the internet. I don't know how you would exactly Google it, but the original trailer for Seven made it look like a slightly darker than normal buddy cop movie. Yeah, I remember, I, I, oh, I, right. I've, I've heard yeah. of that, yeah. And there's, it was... Oh, what is it? I'll have to see if I can find it. I mean, it looks a little bit dark. I'm not saying it's not, but like, it doesn't look anything yeah. like Seven. And then and then you see seven and it stays in your head. It's quite for a slow life. burn at the beginning, mm. isn't it? Seven. It's like it is. It is. It takes a while. I mean, it, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It will haunt you. So this is not an. This is not a, a, a completely. <laughs> oh, that's helpful. I mean, this is not a, a without caveats. But yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. glad I have seen it. <laughs> yes, yeah, I have not gone back to it in recent years. I've seen it. It's on one of the services, and I've sort of right. been like. Mm. I haven't seen I'm it. Sure. I, I'm not I sure I'm ready. I haven't seen it for a decade. I will watch it. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was something we talked about the other week, wasn't it? About things being missold to you. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. Some I was did, wouldn't I? And yeah. He's one of one of our picks. That's not what I thought. It, oh. Um, oh God. A uh, game night. Game night. You thought yeah, it yeah. Was, yeah. You didn't realize it was a comedy. Yeah. The trailer so, didn't make so, it look like a comedy. Yeah. When the trailers and, uh, came colossal. out, it, it looked really dark, and it was just like I'm not really bothered about seeing this. And then it wasn't. It, that was obviously years ago when it first came out. And Stig mentioned it. He says, "Oh, it's actually a really funny comedy." I'm like, "Is it?" Yeah, we so like, watched it about three weeks. Like five weeks said, ago, with Colossal, amazing. I thought it was a kaiju film. It's mm, not. Yeah, it's not. No. And um, not. Smoking Aces as smoking well. Smoking Aces, yeah, mm. yeah. And the Fast and the Furious. Oh, movies, leave them alone! Cars. Stop bullying them. <laughs> and hey, and there is there is a thing we have talked about tonight that appears to be one gen- genre and is actually another, but I won't say what it is, because spoilers. Yes, yes, yes. yes at least yes. one sub-genre, and it's another sub-genre. Yes. Yeah. We're conscious of spoilers. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Push, <laughs> pushing on, Jamie Kelwick says, Deborah Chow is a director to keep your eye on. Mm. She's directed many episodes of The Mandalorian and has directed all of the Obi-Wan series that's coming next year, I think. Yeah. Mm. Uh, also, Kate Heron is one to watch, the British director who's brought a sex education in Loki. I loved Loki. Yeah, mm. she's a yes. delight. Yeah. I've just yeah, started she's, watching she's... Sex Education this week. Oh, I was kind of, I was kind of disappointed to hear that she didn't want, she wasn't going to come and do Loki season two. Oh, that is disappointing. I, I assume that's because she's doing something even more exciting. Uh, yes, I have hopefully. not got any. I adored Loki. I mean, me, 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 and Stig did a, a full podcast on every episode, and yeah, it's, yeah I, I loved it. I think it's, yeah. it's no transcendent like yours though. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we we do a lot of Marvel, but Loki, Loki, I I thought was it's my favorite. It's my favorite. I was saying mm, that. Yeah, everyone's like one division. No, Loki's my favorite. One division was great, yeah. but Loki was better. I I can't stop listening to the soundtrack. The soundtrack so is just it's incredible. Um, he goes on to say, when it comes to actors, I've always loved Helen Mirren, Kate Blanchett, Julianne uh, Julianne Moore, and whatever they do. As for ones to keep an eye on, Daisy Edgar Jones was amazing in Normal People. Mm. Emma McKay, Amy Lee Wood, and Mimi Keane. From sex education or brilliant young actresses. Yeah. 
Uh, Newton Thomas's Drew Barrymore. From mm. child actor to major Hollywood producer while overcoming mm. addiction to become one of the nicest and down-to-earth human, nicest and most down-to-earth humans in the industry today. Yeah. yeah. I've seen her in that. What's that one where she was a zombie or something? Is that that? Oh, yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. the TV yeah. show. It was the show, show, wasn't it? Yeah, I really oh, like that. Brilliant. Oh, so, uh, Santa, Santa Clarita Santa, Diet? Yeah. yeah. Santa Clarita I really like that. that. Oh, well remembered. cancelled it. Yeah. cliffhanger, the bastards. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. And she was brilliant in that. And Timmy Fellerfant trying not to be good looking in it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there are some things that you just like. Yeah. There's suspension of disbelief. And you then can't like, do Come it. On, Come on. Yeah. No. Uh, I agree so hard with Bobby Wayne here because he says, I'm happy to see Jodie Comer making her Hollywood debut with Free Guy. She's a fantastic mm. actress that's worked her way from guest roles on British TV yeah. to leading roles on TV to bit parts in movies, and now she's showing off her acting chops on a Hollywood blockbuster and demonstrating her range of skills. While there's many great women that have been in Hollywood for a long time, Jodie is someone I'm excited to see more in the future. She is so good. Her accent, like, I didn't realise that was a, a I was real accent. Say, yeah. she's, I didn't understand <laughs> a word she said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that, that's the brilliance of her in Killing Eve because she just yeah. filters through all these different accents yeah, so convincingly. Killing Eve. Oof. So good. Um, uh, one I know you'll enjoy here, Oodles. Uh, Terrestrial Extra says, I, I nominate Karen Gillan. Yeah, well, yes. Mwah. Karen Gillan. Re- recently be- she recently became a writer and director yes. and she's been part of the MCU, done voiceovers, more serious roles, and to top it off, she's British. Yep. The girl's got it going on. Gunpowder mm. Milkshake looks fun too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, John Cheatham says, uh, "I'm going to shout out Rose McGowan. Obviously, a great actor, but more than that has co- more than that has come closest to making Hollywood actually safer for women yes. through massive sacrifice mm. and risk to her own personal safety for years oh and years. God, Nothing yeah. less than an inspiration. I agree. <laughs> also, well, she's had to go also, through and explain it's it. Horrible. I, 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 I will say, Helen, reading through the chapter about the about Me Too in mm. in the book that was so difficult. Yeah, so mm. much that I I didn't know that it had gone on as well. Just I'd seen the headlines and ooh." Detail. No, I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I didn't. I, I is, is really hard with with that one. I mean, obviously, I wasn't doing the sort of first hand reporting, so I was drawing on other sources. But yeah, just just knowing how much to context really to give to this stuff, and how much to explain, and how much to absolutely not dwell on stuff to to avoid triggering people and just you know unnecessary upset. So it was kind of trying to put it in the context, mostly of the work stuff and mostly yeah. of the career mm. stuff, and not. Yeah. Obviously, there's there's huge human trauma costs as as well. But I, you know, I was trying to keep it focused on the the what Hollywood is doing and not just yeah. what Hollywood has done to all these women. Yeah. Um. But what Hollywood is doing, kind of to itself and to careers and it's yeah. Horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's 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 still uh, not solved. And I think a lot of the people who were aware of this stuff are still in place. Unfortunately, yeah. I think it's going to be Honestly. a long road ahead on that one. The documentary on the iPlayer, the Harvey oh, Weinstein yeah. documentary, is brilliant. Really good. Yeah. A horrible, horrible man. It, mm. I, I do think that something like psychologically did shift after the Me Too yep. movement, yep. and and I yes. think there, there has there have there are consequences, but it's not it's not a clean sweep. There is no board to be no. cleared. There's no there's no kind of witch hunt or or. Um, list you know to be gone through and and all of these people be removed there's not there's nothing that clear cut and i think it's it's hard to see but i think there has been a some kind of shift of ideas and i hope that that will reverberate and just build and build and build until we get something it has to it does does. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm going to move on from that. Uh, Natalie yep. says uh, Sigourney Weaver. Oh, Let's remember, uh, she was a strong... That was my if, second choice. <laughs> same. <laughs> she was a strong, if not the strongest female lead yep. in an action film, mm. not only all the time, but more yep. importantly, the era that women were being played as secretaries, bimbos, damsels in distress. Alien and Aliens were groundbreaking. Amazing. She's an outstanding actress, and I love that even in the films they make reference to her being a woman in the... I love that even in the films they make reference to her being a woman in the derogatory sense. Her fuck you attitude to leading men is bussing. Yeah. Natalie keeps using young people words. I, I, I don't understand. Do you know the thing with, um, with Alien? So I, about five years ago, me and my wife watched it. Her for the first time. Obviously, I, I've, I've seen it. And, and when it first started, I said, guess who's main character in this? And she couldn't. Because at the beginning, you don't know who the main character yeah. is. And, and by the end, it's like, oh, God, what tour de force that is. Like, oh, I love Alien. I read up. Just before this pod, I had a quick look again at Sigourney, and I didn't realise that Alien is technically her first role. She just did commercials mm. and a bit of TV work mm. before so actually having that role. And she was originally up for Lambert. Really? And yeah. there was a change of casting last minute, and she got given Ripley, and they swapped it around. Wow. Could you imagine if Lern... No. And she was another actress. <laughs> I've forgotten who plays Lambert now. And uh, she's, a, again, a great actress, mm. but I just don't think that would have worked yeah, with her. Yeah. Wow, I think, uh, and and it was on. It, but I think the fact that you don't know she's the lead at the beginning is is mm. how they did it. Yeah. Really, uh, yeah. is is yeah. how it worked. Kind of like you know? snuck her in. I know you shouldn't say it like that, but they did the snuck her in. No, didn't they they? Did. Yeah, mm. she's strong in Ghostbusters as well. I think. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm just trying to think um, of that film because Natalie said then about you and know, the the films where she's been referenced as a woman in derogatory sense. She owns the screen. It's the one she did with Jennifer Love Hewitt. I don't think it's a great film, but I think that she's just just proper. She's classing it like mm. she's yeah. just. That's heartbreakers, isn't it? Heartbreakers, heartbreakers yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was just trying to find it. Then I yeah. can't remember what the name of the thing was. And, and even when she's it. playing "quote unquote" a bimbo, like in Galaxy Quest, yeah. she just brings so <laughs> yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I adore that. Great film. role that was for her. Superb. Uh, Look, yeah. I have one job on this stupid <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> I need to. She's the best thing in Avatar as well, and I don't like Avatar. Don't like no it. one should like Avatar. I, don't like, I um, like Avatar. Oh yeah, oh, we've got one. We've got Just one. the world building. It's a beautiful it. film, but no, yeah. I don't like it. Uh, Natalie finishes off by saying, "My favorite moment." Um, and she's talking about aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, she's saying, "My favorite moment when the massive bell end prick that is Carter Burke is about to oh. release a face hugger, release a face hugger, suck on Ripley or Newt." Mm. Ripley says, "You know, Burke, I don't know which species is worse. You don't see them fucking each other uh, over yes. for a goddamn percentage." Yeah, <laughs> I hate yeah. Burke. Bloody well, Ugh. priceless. Goddess. After this role, I think people realised women were more than just objects of fuckability with boobs to sell a movie. We could stack up against Arnie Stallone and the like. We need more Ripley's. We do. We yeah. do. Oh, God, I love it. And the problem for a long time was that, you know, they would just say, well, we've got Ripley, so you don't need any others. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and it should have been, they, they never, this is the thing, every time there was a woman who broke through, every time there was a woman who kind of proved never built the, on the it. myths wrong, they never built on it. They always just yeah. sort of <sighs> treated that as an exception, as an irrepeatable thing. Yeah, I think yeah. it's kind of damning that Everyone's keep always goes back to either Leia, Sarah, mm-hmm. uh, Sarah Connor, or Ripley. Yeah. Like yeah. how how Those long ago? That's all you got. Yeah, yeah. That's all you got. Yeah. Oh, it's a shame. Um, S boy Kurt Lewin has said, uh, "I have to say that I think Kira Knightley is my favorite actress, both for her acting and off-screen activities pr- to promote women in media. Mm. She's had some tough films, but perhaps the performance that springs to mind for me when I think of her are Bend It Like Beckham, yeah, uh, and Misbehavior." More recently, which is a film that is really good and doesn't get talked about enough. 
True. Yeah. Good film. And I, I think she's turned into a wonderful actress, actually. I think she's really genuinely great now. Mm. Um, and I think we're, we're risking getting to the point where Keira Knightley is not taken seriously enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, after being sort of everywhere when she was about 17. But like something like Official Secrets, it's a great performance. It's really, really good. Cool. Um, and last up, we have Ray. Um, he says, hi, modern escapism. Movie production is a group effort, even more so when the movie is animated. As a result, people working backstage don't get the spotlight very often. Galen Sussman is among them. Mm. I think that's how I say her name. Um, in 1998, a mistyped command deleted 90% of Toy Story 2's digital assets, oh. and the backup drive was <laughs> under repair at the time. So the situation seems dire. With merely 12 months before release, there's no way a studio can rebuild the movie from scratch. It seems the only option is to scrap the film entirely, along with its $500 million investment and maybe sync Pixar in the process. When all hope seemed lost, Sussman, a technical director at the time, stepped up with a complete copy of, the, of all the film assets on her personal computer. Turns out, because she didn't want to miss out on the action after her son was born, she created a copy so she could continue to work at wow. home. Alas, <laughs> Toy Story 2 and all the great stories that came after were saved by this un- unsung heroine. Wow. Some may say this is fortunate result due to coincidence, but I think it's also her professionalism, hardworking spirit and passion for her job prepared Galen Sussman to become a rescuer of this crisis. <laughs> As such, I would like to write down the story and pay my small respect to the woman quietly but dutifully supporting the industry that, bro- that brings us joy just like her. Uh, Absolutely. I think Toy Story yeah. 2 is the best one as well. It is. Yeah, it's mm. fantastic. By far the best way. It's the Empire Strikes Back of Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. It's, it's fine. First uh, sequel Tom Hanks has ever done as well, isn't it? I'm not sure. Uh, I, I think, think it was, so. yeah. And then he did the um, Dan Brown Dan ones, Brown. didn't he? <laughs> Ooh. Uh, I don't remember those. I, I don't remember no. those. I don't think they happened. No. <laughs> it's best not to. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, your professional opinion, it mustn't have happened. No. <laughs> is, th- is that the all there, Gadget? Yeah, that's excellent. Normal. So it's nearly time to wrap it up. Um, uh, Candy, it's time to do a little bit of socials and let the listeners know what we're doing next week. Lovely. So you can always visit us, as always, sorry, you can visit us on our new website, modernescapism.co.uk. On there, you can find a link to all of our socials, media, and our contact details. We've just launched our merch store as well. Oh, so, so good. <laughs> So good. If you've ever wanted a bedspread with Biggie's face on it, your prayers have been answered. And we always, we, everyone wants that. Well, there's also some modern escapism and do Dragon's Dream score sheet t-shirts as well, yeah. if you're feeling a bit more sensible. My wife's all over. The bread spread or the t-shirt? The bedspread. All of the above. <laughs> if you have any comments, you can either tweet us or email us at modernescapismpod at gmail.com or you can join us on our Discord server we're all in there. We're always active. So please join us in our wonderful community for a chat. Um, if you fancy watching and interacting with us live while playing through some games, usually badly, <laughs> uh, you can find us on twitch.tv forward slash modern escapism. Biggie's currently and continuing to play through Dark Souls on Mondays. How's that going? Uh, I'm stuck in the catacombs. Uh, Don't you hate lots. it when you're stuck in the catacombs? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, on, just every, every Monday. Monday. So to be on brand, <laughs> Biggie's stuck again. Uh, I run a weekly horror stream on Thursdays and I'm, I've just finished Outlast and I'm starting Yay. a new one this Thursday. So tonight, if you're um, listening on the day it's released, I'm starting Soma. Oh, you're doing Soma. Oh. Mm. Nice. Yes. Uh, Gadget's currently working his way through Fallout 4 and Survival Mode on Wednesdays. The absolute nutter. Pain. <laughs> and suffering. <laughs> I love to watch it though. I love to watch the pain and suffering, especially in the Fallout world. 
And Stig and Noodles host variety streams throughout the week, so check it's the best way to check on Twitter and you can see us. So yeah, so you can see when we're going. Stig, Stig and Noodles are busy all the time. <laughs> We, so we, we, st- we still need to convince Stig to do his VR phasmophobia stream. No, no I, I've tried to oh, play it the other day that. and I've too, it made it's, me sick. It's, no, it's horrible. <laughs> horrible. Don't do it. The I horror, the horror element not to make plus the VR stuff just made me feel ill. So. I'll play it with you. You'll be fine. Um, as we've already talked about, we've got our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash modern escapism. We've got the three tiers, £5 modern escapees, £5 for Scorch Deep, or £7.50 for the Biggie Bundle, which gets you both. Next week's subject is one and done. One and done. And by that, one and done. And by that, uh, we mean what piece of media have you thoroughly enjoyed, but you've got absolutely no intention of ever revisiting again for... So Fast for, and Furious, <laughs> but not enjoyed it. <laughs> no, I mean, you have to enjoy it the first time round. Yeah, you have to like it. The, the, the caveat is you have to have liked it and you just feel like, I don't need to watch that again. That was enough. So, for example, if it was too harrowing... <laughs> It might have been a hilarious comedy, but the jokes wouldn't work the second time round. Mm. Or if it's a book you read and it was just too long, as always, just let us know by writing in, and we'll include I, you in next I have week's an idea, show. But um, I think uh, I don't think Helen liked this one. Which one? What's that? Mother. <laughs> oh no, I didn't like that one either. <laughs> Mother. <laughs> is that a what? Is that a one and done? Uh, the Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. Yeah. It gave me hysterics. Like, I <laughs> yeah. like once once I realized what the story was and what it was what it was yeah, doing. I liked, I, I liked je- it. Like I was weeping with laughter. I didn't I don't know if I liked it or disliked it. I just like the, just the sheer nerve of it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Blew <laughs> my mind. Different. I, I had I I I could I could not stop laughing for yeah, about fifteen minutes. I, I was crying, <laughs> and I, I like I did that in Fast Five. Like I cried with laughter, but in a different way to Mother. Mother's yes. Um, as a side note, Biggie won't be joining us next week, so what? please save all your love letters to the following week. Oh my word! I'm at a gig. I can't help You're it. So cool. Hello. <laughs> next week's episode gets twenty percent less sexy. Oh. <laughs> I just uh, a quick one, Helen. Before we mm-hmm. go, do you want to play a round of uh, three frac structure? No. I mean, uh, <laughs> if I led with that at the start, you probably would have t- uh, just yeah. hung up on us, oh, wouldn't oh, you? Oh, is that the time? Oh no! <laughs> well, so yes, yeah, so if you if you would like to hear the three fact structure, obviously do come join us on the Empire Podcast weekly. But um, you know, when there's only three of us, we don't do it. Ironically, it has to be four. The, the the challenge is to come up with a movie fact that Chris, my colleague, doesn't know. Wow, is he that good? That super. He knows a lot of stuff. He, you know, we've all been at Empire for way too long. <laughs> Um, but Chris has been been there for a very long time and has a, a very good amount of general knowledge. Don't tell him I said that. Oh, and, he won't listen um, to this. <laughs> yeah, I'll be fine. He doesn't listen to us. Yeah. So I forgot to say, he'll be fine. Um, so, so, yeah, so we have to try and stump him every oh. week. Uh, a couple of the things that we've talked about today have been three facts on the three fact oh. structure. That Greta Sistrin uh, was, was actually one of James's winning facts one week, I rem- if I remember correctly. Excellent. But it's it's um, that's my least favorite part of the podcast. So the rest is fun. <laughs> Why are you still oh. doing it? I thought it was only just. I thought so too. It was just to kind of cover <laughs> time. You'll have to write in and tell him not to do it anymore. And there was less films out, and it was to cover just a bit of extra was, time. Yeah, it was. But um, no, I, I, I honestly, when there's only three of us on, then we don't, which is a, a great relief because <laughs> otherwise you're just all the time. It's like I don't. I, I like I know things. But do they qualify as a three fact structure kind of fact <laughs> that I can present to the group? I don't know. Oh, it's very, very stressful. So, Ellen, can I ask? I know Stiggy's sure. been. How how are you finding the live podcasts? Oh, they've been delightful. Yeah, they've been really good. We um we did the London Podcast Festival um mm. 
last month and uh it was it was great i mean they've been obviously you know socially distanced and everything in yeah, yeah. these times yes mm. um but it's it's always so good we always get such good questions um you know people are always in so nice frankly <laughs> and we are chaotic so it's uh it's really kind we 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 genuinely don't necessarily always expect people to show up and then are very grateful and pleased yeah, when they was, do. I, so. I really enjoyed it. I went to the Lovely. one in York. Oh, yeah. Um, that was a- the one that, the, unfortunately, the recording got uh, lost or was, something was up with it. So I'll tell you off mic sometime. I asked a question on that as well, so I didn't get to hear it back. Oh, well, no, oh. Stig, you do do a podcast every week. It doesn't matter. You get to hear yourself. <laughs> Yeah, but not like a big yeah, one like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I asked the question about. Um, it was basically, was there anything that when the idea first came up that you thought mm. was terrible but actually turned out to be really good? And I said, like, my example was the recent Jumanji films. When they got announced, everyone was like, oh, yeah. why? That's Love them. That sounded disastrous. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Love them. Excellent. Is that the. Anyway, is, is that the um, the socials wrapped up there, Candy? That's the socials done. What I'm going to do now is. First, thank Helen for joining us, but I'm going to give her this mm. opportunity to plug her wares. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Um, well, yes, well, I should mention the book. So that is, as you've correctly pointed out, Women versus Hollywood, The Fall and Rise of Women in Film. So a sort of quick introduction, basically, to the history of women in Hollywood in the past hundred years and up to the present and looking to the future. I'm also doing a tie-in podcast uh, to that at mm. the moment. So it's also... Also called Women vs. Hollywood because we weren't feeling very uh, creative that day. (laughs) So that's running at the moment. Um, It's on the same channel as a podcast I did last Christmas called Bah Humbug about Christmas movies. So if I do that again this year, then the channel name might switch. But I think they're both still there on the same channel. And then, yeah, I'm on Empire podcast every week. So come join us as well if you'd like yet more movie chats. (laughs) We, I think we're different enough shows. I think it's fine. Yeah. You know, we do different things. We talk about the movie news and, and uh, reviews and stuff like that. And we'll have interviews with people as well. So, um, yeah, I think that's everything. Excellent. Um, yeah. I'm, on, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Helen L. O'Hara. Oh, we'll definitely put your Twitter handle in our show notes as well. Don't worry Thank about that. And um, yeah, uh, massive thank you. Thank you for Biggie for reaching out and stealing Helen on this <laughs> Sunday evening. Um, it's been a pleasure. I just kept Thank threatening you. her that I was actually the ghostwriter for all her work. Oh, right. She decided that she wasn't <laughs> going to let that go through the You're not supposed <laughs> to tell everybody. Come on. And that's an exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's been amazing. I, I just didn't want to harass someone of her profession to keep saying, you well, know. now you've done it, you've got to get others. <laughs> she was brilliant and yeah just mm. yeah that's it again. just reach yeah, out to you. everybody and I yeah, we've it. all been really excited especially Stiggy as well because he's such a fan um, yeah. and we're all quite a bit nervous as well for having you on oh, so no, thank it's you been so such a pleasure much. thank you thank you so much for giving up your time really appreciate it no and what we're going to do now um, we're not going to lock Helen behind a patron paywall because that wouldn't be fair because uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to say bye bye <laughs> to everyone that's not paying for this we still love you but Start paying. <laughs> <laughs> so, from from us and especially from Helen, good night. Fairly well. Good night. Yep.
I started that one by punching the microphone. <laughs> Just let it know who's boss. Establish dominance <laughs> exactly. early on. That's so important. <laughs> Don't let them smell your fear.